What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to the 2023 Smart Out Moment Year End Awards. The Smarkies are starting off with the All Elite Wrestling side of things. We've got three giant sets of categories to break down here as we do the end of every single year. Of course, we're going to do the WWE ones following all these things. We are recording this actually pretty well in advance compared to when we normally do it. We usually do it around Christmas, and it is the 12th of December right now before our Rage Final Battle, before AEW Worlds End. We're going to address how that's going to work in a little bit here. But first things first, I want to remind you who the hell is even talking for this edition. You should know by now, but if in case you're brand new to this whole thing, I am your host as always, Tony Mango. And as always, I am joined by Callum Wiggins. It's the end of the year, but not the end of the world. And Robert E. Felice. No, that's on December 30th when we watch World's End. We are, of course, trying to break down everything we possibly can in the world of wrestling with these awards. This is the most thorough, complex award system that I've ever seen. I've done my research on like some other uh, websites and other things, and they don't go in depth as much as we do. We have the most streamlined version of this currently right now that we've ever had before. I've actually not made any adjustments this year compared to last year, which may be a first. I don't remember for sure, 100%, but we have many of the same categories returning that have been around from the very start. We have some that had been tweaked a little bit last year or so, and we're going to explain how that all works in a little bit here. But before we get into that, I want to remind everybody that as we give our picks for the best and the worst of these categories whether it's on this video or the next five videos that we have, or if you're listening to this on the audio only versions, it should be like one big AEW one and then one big WWE one. Leave your comments on whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. If you're on YouTube, obviously it's pretty simple. You're hop on over to the YouTube comment section. If you're elsewhere, Amazon music or Spotify or something, either hop on over to YouTube or you can send a tweet at smart moment or at our accounts or you can post something on Facebook, you got the Mega Maniacs group, you got the page on smartcutmoment.com, lots of different ways for you to chime in and uh, tell us what your picks are for this, or to tell us your thoughts on our picks for that, because you might just think that we're absolutely crazy, you might agree with us 100%. If you are on YouTube, by the way, though, make sure, as always, to hit the like button, it helps us out quite a bit here for the SEO, and boosting us on the algorithm so people don't, you know, miss out on these videos and stuff. I don't know if we're shadow banned or not, but that'll help out quite a bit. Make sure you are subscribed to this channel as well. Ring that little notification bell for any of those email alerts when we go live for certain videos. Click on that join button too if you want to get access to the same things you can find over the, on the Patreon uh, tiers, like the Dark Cast tier, the Pick a Poison tier. Even if it's a buck a month, it's greatly appreciated, especially now with uh, you know the way that this algorithm works and everything. There's also a little thanks button on there. And, you know, if you want to help out on the monetary side of things with the merchandise, Redbubble and TeePublic are where you can find that for not only Smart Cow Moment, but Fanboys Anonymous and A Mango Tees. Lots of different products, lots of different things. So you can slap those designs on top of. It all funnels back to A Mango Tree and means for me to continue to pay for uh, all these things to be hosted and keep the lights on and everything like that. <clears throat> I am still sick as we were recording this, so uh, you know. Hopefully, by the next couple of recordings of this, it's a little bit better, and I'm not still um, clearing my throat as much. But uh, we might have to clear our throats when we hear some of our other picks as we go along here. And 
Of course, as we do this, uh, I'm going to explain each category and all, but we are currently going to start off with the Technical Skills Awards on the AEW front, of course, because this is the AEW edition. Technical Skills Awards have a bunch of different categories in them, as they all do, and there is a best and a worst for each one of those categories. So as we talk about the good, we also want to talk about the bad. We usually tend to go bad first, good second you know we kind of bounce around here and all so uh you know strap yourselves in because this is going to be one of those long editions that we do every single year one of my favorite things that we do on the uh smart cow moment front and uh, i'm excited to hear everybody else's picks and everything too so i think we should just go ahead and get started you guys ready yep yeah let's do it all right uh i will preface uh as i do here and there with my picks that some of them I haven't picked yet. I'm going to pick them on the spot. And also it's important to know and to go back to talk about this. Not only are we picking everything from, you know, the TV shows and the pay-per-views and stuff, but we might pick some things outside of the pay-per-views and everything. Like if, you know, we want to give a worst to something that happened in like the rumor mill of AEW or something. Uh, We don't watch absolutely everything because it's almost impossible to do that. So we might have gaps in our uh, picks. And when it comes to trying to pick things, I found this really hard this year. Uh, I know that we were talking a little bit before this got started about some of the pros and cons about picking this year for AEW and WWE for that matter. And I found it a lot harder to do the AEW list. Callum found it a lot harder to do the WWE list. It's kind of going along with the theme that we've had this year, which is really funny to me. Um, It's always kind of been our vibe, but like this year in particular, it's really been... You completely one way, Callum in completely the opposite direction, and I'm just <laughs> anchoring the middle ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I I'm also going to say here, just in advance for anybody that's wondering why I'm not picking those things, I don't watch any ROH, so I'm sure that there are way more picks that I would go on the ROH side of it if I really actually watched that show instead of just you know kind of filling in the gaps and reading what happens and stuff. But you um, you wouldn't. Well, on the worst side of it, it's very, it's very oh, mid. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say on the worst, really. It's very, it's very middle of the ground. Yeah, because I don't even know who some of these though, people are. I've been looking at Tony's past answers, and he did literally like write AEW Dark Dregs for one of the <laughs> answers. So maybe I don't know, but I think it's very mid, and I don't think Ring of Honor would have ended up taking up too much space. We'll see. Uh, and, you know, as we go along, we tell us your things and you tell us the opposites and stuff. Maybe you'll remind us of things that we had forgotten because that does tend to happen every so often. We'll be going through this and we'll be like, oh, you know, the worst uh, gimmick of the year was such and such. And then we go, oh, crap, I completely forgot. Yeah, I'm going to pick that one, too. Also, though, on top of it, as I said, we are recording this before our Rage final battle and before naturally the next couple episodes of Dynamite and everything. And, you know, from the 12th onward. We aren't going to have that factored into our lists, but the way that I figured that makes the most sense is once we're done the year and it's actually January 1st, then when we do that next round of the hot tags, maybe we'll end up doing like a dark cast about this or something. If there is any kind of an adjustment that we would need to do, like maybe World's End ends up being the best pay-per-view of the year by far or something, or there's like a new title change that switches up our best and the worst title changes or whatever it might be. If there is anything that we need to adjust, we'll just address that down the line. We'll retroactively leave a comment or something on this page on 
smartcomoment.com or whatever it might be. So for anybody's wondering, like, you know, I'm going to release this sometime around the 20 something or other. Uh, I don't know exactly when. So whatever you're hearing this, it's, you know, a week plus from now. And uh, hopefully you had a good week. <laughs> I don't know. So let's just start getting into this with the way that we normally do things. We start things off with the entrances because that makes perfect sense. The best and the worst entrances of the year from all elite wrestling. And that factors in everything from uh, one time entrance that could be really cool or, of course, really bad if you would put it on the worst. Or it could be just their regular entrance that they do. Or it could be some other kind of twist on that. You know, we can always kind of play around with these awards a little bit. And uh, I've got a bunch of options. I've got actually four options for each and I've picked one that I think I'm going to go with for best. And I haven't quite picked yet for the worst, but uh, anybody have like a strong, they want to start best or worst. Well, actually I, Callum, do you have a strong one? I only have one written down for worst. So I probably, I guess that's as strong as you can get really from that side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't really anything that I found too terrible for the most part from an AEW entrance standpoint this year. None that really like definitively stood out apart from this one. And this one's kind of just a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's uh, Soraya all in. Oh, that's a pretty good one though. It's one but, that I thought about. I didn't think about she that. She came out to um, We Will Rock You by Queen. And the only reason I did that is because, well, first of all, everything involving Soraya all in was a little bit of a was a negative but i thought that um it made emmy sakura cry because she's the queen <laughs> and, she, and she loves queen and there was just a video that was firing around for a little while of her just like crying at the fact that she was coming out to a queen song and emmy sakura just wasn't even on the card <laughs> i didn't even think about that option but i like that a lot so my worst is also from all in and it's also kind of tongue-in-cheek but I think given the backdrop of everything that happened, we can all agree that Jack Perry coming out in that car at all in <laughs> probably could have been saved, right? I have Jack Perry down on my list as one of the possible options. Um, just the he, switch up with his, his, usual, his, his usual, usual theme. Yeah. yeah, which I like that song, but it just doesn't fit him. It definitely didn't. Yeah. He is one of my yeah. options, but I don't think I'm going to necessarily go with him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, don't we all wish we could have just taken that one back? What, Jack Perry? Just Jack Perry come out in that car? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. See, at this point, with the way that Punk's been a fun topic to talk about in WWE, maybe the right thing happened. Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, right? Yeah, or smashing some real glass. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is that your pick, though, Jack Perry? Definitely my pick. So here are the answers that I had written down. I wrote down, cop-out answer, 90% of the roster, I couldn't tell you. What the fuck is Aaron Solo's theme? (laughs) But it's like, I don't really want to do the cop-out answers unless I have to. So there are three other ones, one of them being Jack Perry's theme. One of them being Danhausen's theme. I've never liked the Monsters, and that's that basically so it's like oh i don't like that anyway (laughs) the monsters is awesome i I, don't like it 
I used to like uh, binge watch episodes of the Monsters. They were so much. That's such, it's such a fun show. I, I am also a fan of the Monsters. I'm going to completely disagree with you. <laughs> I'm I'm Adam's family all the way. <laughs> well, they're both great. Why why choose one or the other? Like, like it's, it's like WWE and AEW. Why can't you just like pro wrestling? Yeah, than, sure. <laughs> that's a good point. But for that matter, I never liked the song "The Monster Mash." <laughs> so <laughs> this is a. You just. It was a graveyard smash. Favorite holiday is Halloween. Are you? Uh, are you aware of that? Yes, I am. I'm fully aware of that. We got married on Halloween. So. That's true. You did get there. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't play the Monster Mash or uh, the Monsters theme. But here's my actual pick that I'm going to go with. And I think we're going to start things off here with already a controversial thing that's going to upset people, especially because I like this song. Judas. I am so sick of Jericho walking around looking at the crowd with Judas playing when he's a healer face. It takes me out of it. I love the song. It's a great song, but the entrance is awkward now. I kind of agree, but I, I think it's too much a part of the show and it's too fun. It's just one of those, like, I'm going to upset people. I'll pick that one. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Realistically, if I had to say, like, oh, uh, you know, what's the most like problematic or whatever, I probably would go with the Jack Perry one just because it doesn't fit him. But uh, I feel like being a little spicy, so I'm going to go with Judas. I, mean, I think if you, if you, if you specifically went for the Jericho playing himself to the ring at all, all in, singing Judas, then maybe. There you go. That's uh, if I got to go with uh, the worst of all that, then it's got to be that one. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Yeah. So that. Even more so justifies it in my mind. But since I got something out there that I'm sure some people are going to be like, oh my God, I'm already mad at Tony. I'll give you my my best to go along with this. And I wrote a couple good ones down. Big fan of Orange Cassidy coming out to Jane. That works so well. Especially now that I finally watched What Hot American Summer this year, which I thought was really funny. I really liked Julia Hart's entrance from Wrestle Dream. And of course, naturally, as we go along here and we tell our picks and stuff, Everybody has the right to like stop each other if they end up picking their pickouts. Um, I really liked MJF at Revolution where he came out with the uh, devil mask on and the masked orchestra was playing his theme. Thought that was really cool. But Swerve Strickland gets my pick. His song's catchy. He's got the dance to it. It's like a badass theme to come out to. I love it. It's definitely up there. I think and another one that came close to me was the final countdown first entrance at a nice forbidden door. And I also loved Hangman's entrance at Revolution. The special like Texas Deathmatch entrance. I thought that was really cool. Um You're not gonna hear me complain about Final Countdown. It's one of my top favorite songs of all time. So But my overall best because it was unexpected. And I think Tony was just flexing his uh, wallet that day. Has to be Sting and Darby Allen at All In. Coming out to Metallica's Seek and Destroy. That, that was a cool moment to see. Live, of course. Um, yeah, I, no, I had a few other ones in here. I, have, um, I had a House of Black at All In as a potential one. Because of the Bray Wyatt tribute. Ah, uh, yeah. With the... Uh, the uh, lamp, uh, Jay Cargill doing that um, 
sorority entrance in um, at Double or Nothing. Like that nice little like, like uh, choreographed dance number to the ring. Um, Adam Copeland's debut at Wrestle Dream. Technically an entrance. Yeah. Come down. That counts. Like big mo. And then obviously both Brian Danielson's uh, for final countdown things at both the Door 2 and at uh, Wrestle Dream. But again, just a, a little bit biased and also because I was there in the, the building to see it, I'm going for Will Ospreay all in. I if it was like for all of wrestling my favorite entrance this year is will osprey at uh wrestle kingdom but this was like a a sort of a redux version of that which is i love uh, his theme is my favorite theme in all pro wrestling i absolutely love elevated and but i even more so love the uh piano playing like version that he does before a big big match that there's like plays with piano first of all also, his um, entrance at, um, at uh, Forbidden Door Two was also great. With all of that um, that video that um, video package that played beforehand of him just saying like showing riots in all across of Canada because he'd been causing causing such a stir there with, before the match with Kenny, and then coming out to just have the match with him. So, so yeah, I'm so I'm looking forward to him being part of AEW permanently next year. Not too far off. Uh... Yeah. Pretty much just going to be the end of um, or mid February, right? Revolution, yeah, on the road yeah. to revolution. So January, February time. Nice, he's there. So we're going to transition over to the best and the worst clothing slash attire slash ring gear. Again, could be a one-time thing. Could be what they regularly wear. Anything that stands out as far as just like outfits. That's a big part of everything when it comes to you know the Oscars has like a full show ahead of time dedicated to who are you wearing today. It's stupid as all hell. But in pro wrestling, it's part of the package. So, uh, part of the package, and immediately I'm just recalling the Big East package joke. So, there you go. <laughs> Reminder of that. <laughs> uh, best and the worst clothing slash attire. Um, I couldn't think of a lot of people, to be honest, on this. And uh, I had two people down for worst. I don't know who I'm going to go with. Maybe you guys might remind me of somebody else too or whatever. But I wrote down Chris Jericho on a regular basis. Because whenever he does like the pain maker thing, I think it's awful. But I do kind of think I might be leaning a little bit more towards Eddie Kingston. But it's part of the charm. So I don't know if I can really give that the worst. If that's kind of a little bit of the gimmick. Is that he's kind of slovenly looking <laughs> with that. So, so, so what you're telling us is that you're for the second award in a row, you're going to give the worst to Chris Jericho. I'm, I'm leaning towards it, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to dabble in giving him these <laughs> Nobody gets that you? joke. That's an old school joke there too. Yeah, um, um, yeah. You guys might remind me somebody else. I don't know. So this is probably an unpopular. And I'm gonna just say it. I understand it's part of the gimmick. I understand that it's, you know, he's doing the best work of his career. Christian looks too good to be covering up his body. Like we're gonna very what? much disagree on this one. <laughs> yeah, why was he wearing the turtleneck? <laughs> you know, like you look amazing. Just show off. Show off the body that you've built for yourself. Go ahead, tell me why it's your best gear, Calum. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to the best one in a little while. That's fine. It's definitely more on that side of things than the worst. Um, I mean, there's, I wrote down Brock Anderson, but I think that's just because Brock Anderson looks like shit. So just like <laughs> that's just a general thing <laughs> rather than just his attire. 
but, but then um, again, like when you got like these people that come out there and they just have like trunks on, they all blend together and they could all collectively be the worst because it's like, man, you don't put any effort, do you? <laughs> I got to say, I wasn't a huge fan of a uh, Paul White on the um, his comeback gear because of the basically wearing giant tree like tree trunks on his legs because his legs don't work anymore. So that wasn't a great um, look either, but. And this one might be again either controversial or seem a bit weird. I'm going with Sky Blue's Scooby Doo outfit. Oh, I like the Scooby Doo no, outfit. No, but I like the Scooby Doo outfit. But it's in the middle of when she's supposed to be transitioning into her evil goth character. Why is she wearing fucking Scooby Doo outfit? Scooby Doo outfit point. when she's because yeah, the so... purpose of Scooby Doo is that the monsters no. are real people are on. <laughs> No, it's the idea of, I got this fancy Halloween uh, outfit made, I'm going to wear it regardless of what my storyline is telling me to do. And, uh, no, I'm, as I say, it's a nice gear, and I think, like, if it if there was anything else involved in it, it would be higher up in terms of, like, my, maybe even towards my best ones, but just for the context of the story that she is currently in and the character that she is currently portraying, it was it was a weird thing to wear. I like that idea, that justification, quite a bit. Not gonna pick it because uh, still thumbs up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm looking through just to to double check to see if anybody has any lists or whatever out there. Somebody brings up a good point in Sting just always wearing a T-shirt. I think I, mean, I might go. I might go Sting. Oh, and he's lost year. Give him a worst Yeah, he's got a. Uh, He's going to wrestle in 2024. He'll be factored into the end of the year awards in 2024. So it's one of the best ones then. I think that um, we'll, there's a very good chance I'm going to give it to the Christian Cage turtleneck wrestling gear because I just think that it's, as I say, he probably does have a great physique right now, but this is so into his character that it's it's amazing. But there are there are other great ones. I mean, Tiny's Tony Tony Storm. I'm not a huge fan of the gimmick, but the you can't you can't deny that she looks the part pretty much all the time. Uh, the guns have great gear. Yeah, they surprisingly, they they're almost up there for like best entrance for me for just generally having a great entrance. But then um, Jay Cargill also has great gear most of the t- had most of the time, and then mm-hmm. Julia Hart has great gear and a great aesthetic most of the time. And yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Will Ospreay's. Um, like very flowing robes that he wore for um, all in as well, like the red, white, and blue attire that he put together. Yeah, but, I uh, have like I've got Jade Cargill on here as a potential. I've got uh, Julia Hart. I've got Sky Blue as a potential because they all look great pretty much all the time. I also have Jake Hager's hat. <laughs> I'll be yeah, we love that hat. <laughs> I think generally speaking, I would go Jade Cargill. She almost never misses. I so so far, I've noticed that very close to your answers from last year, you did uh gave Kingston your runner-up for worst, and you did go basically Cargill best for everything she's done. Nice. Um. So yeah, I I think that stands to reason. I'm just gonna say maybe this is recency bias, maybe this is Edge bias. I like seeing Edge with the Sting and Darby face paint at that was cool gear. Yeah, I did like that. That was a cool say, yeah. So what were the ultimate picks? I went with Cargill, you went Christians. Christian. Christian I, I can't believe you really went with that as your best. Um, I'm going uh, Adam Copeland, 
full gear. Alrighty, so uh <laughs> oh, I just noticed a trend here. Where we're gonna go for a hat trick. Signature oh, yeah, maneuvers. Yeah, okay. Here's the Judas effect coming out now, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> the best and worst signature maneuvers, obviously highs and lows. The two that I have written down for the worst are the Judas effect <laughs> and Eddie and Kingston's <laughs> Eddie Kingston's Urican. Oh god. And I'm going to go with Eddie Kingston's because at least the Judas effect is an elbow. The spinning back fist, that wouldn't hurt as much. I hate the Judas effect, though. I've hated it from the start. This has been a regular thing. So the only way that Kingston gets worse on this one, which, by the way, I like Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. It sounds like I hate them or everything. But, yeah, I'm, I'm being as fair as I can. Uh, I hate these, like, spinning moves like that. And the spinning back fist... Come on. I, I did give Kingston consideration as well. Because it's spinning back fist. It's silly. Um, no, it's fun. I mean, yes, it is. But I, do it for like ah. a, a regular, just like in the match, he hits it. Not as a finisher. In that same vein, no matter how much I love these people. The double clothesline in the era of 2023 is ridiculous. <laughs> As a finisher, it really is. People be kicking out of like uh, Canadian destroyers off the top turnbuckle, but they can't get up from a double clothesline. <laughs> I get it. It's fun. I'm not saying it isn't, but as a move in this time, I think it's a bit ineffective. Is that the worst? Is that your worst one? Yes, that's my worst. Double okay. clothesline for better than you, baby. Yeah, I have a few options. Like, I I don't like the lethal injection because the this, tube flippy. Well, it's, it's just the setup for it. Just like, it's just it's a cutter, but he has to bounce off the ropes all the time, mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's to- it's like it's fine. But I just think that it's 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 too much setup. Um, I've gone. I've had like Sky Blue's Code Blue because she very rarely hits it right. It's mainly more just on the fact that she can't really execute it as well as she'd want it want to. Also, there is a lot of setup to that as well. She has to like bounce off the ropes with the person doubled over. Um, then the two ones that really stand out to me are Ruby Soho's No Future. So I don't really like the 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 Pele kick thing. Oh, that's the kick. All right, I was just gonna say I don't even remember what her finisher is, but yeah, that that kick's kind of weak. But the one I'm probably gonna go for is Jeff Hardy Swanton Bomb. Ooh. Because he, because he can't do it without hurting people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like he just lands just flat on someone's chest or diaphragm or anything like that, and it's just gone. That's not going to be the first time that Jeff Hardy's name comes up on this podcast. Oh, yes, uh, yes, very much so. But, but sometimes attached to his brother as well. But you know, we'll yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a shame. But I think I might have to agree. With you. Yeah. Now, on the positive side of things, my best. I'm going to go Samoa Joe's Muscle Buster. it's great it looks like it's impactful it looks like it would hurt you in like 10 different ways the dude's huge so it's like if he lands on you in any way yeah it's gonna hurt even more hell yeah like that looks like a finisher to me like big dude pick me up like a weird amazon package and slam me down like he's a fedex driver you know 
That's not my favourite Samoa Joe uh, move. My favourite Samoa Joe move is when he walks out of the way of something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that a really, great. really good signature move. Which, by the way, for anybody that's wondering about that, signature move doesn't necessarily need to be finisher. It's just signature move. So that you could count that if you wanted to. That's one of the best things that they do. I love that. Um, no, I, I love the red rum. I think Hook has really made that his own. I, I do like the muscle buster. I do think Adam Copeland doesn't have the best spear in all of wrestling, but he has hit better spears in AEW than he did in that last run in WWE. But overall, real quick, who has the best spear right now? And why is it Braun Breaker? Oh, he's <laughs> he's so good. He splits you right in half. Um, overall, I think I'm gonna go with Brian Danielson, and I was I was gonna I was debating between the knee and the bell lock, but actually, just the fact that Brian can beat you and has continued to beat opponents in such a variety of ways, like he, no matter what. He always pulls out something new. So I'm going to say Brian Danielson's variety and ability to finish opponents with many different moves. Kind of a cop out, but I'm sticking with it. His Bret Hart methodology. Yeah, because like, he, what did he used to beat Okada? Wasn't it just like series elbows or something, right? Or it was a different kind of submission from it was um it, it was basically a almost a Zack Sabre Junior toy. Yeah, using like, his legs to attach both of them to 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 stretch out both of the colder's arms at the same time. So he can... I, love, I love that. I think that that's super awesome. Other moves I would give a shout out to Darby Allen suicide dive. Always. Mm-hmm. It is the best suicide dive in wrestling. Um, Darby Allen's co- the coffin drop is a very wonderful move. I like Ricky Stark's beer almost more than, you know, Copeland's, uh, Sting being able to do most of Sting's moves. Also, huge shout out. Lots of positives on the best move side. Well, when you do a really good move, you might end up being on the best or coolest you spot. You don't want to hear my one, though? Oh, I thought you were already picked. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so um, I had listed down like things like Darby Allen Suicide Dive because I think I've typically gone with that one because it's just the greatest thing. But there are um, uh, things like swerve, the swerve stomp is a cool move. I know it's, it's a bit contrived because you have to sit up to hit it, but it still looks cool. Um, it's weird that he's wearing a neck brace all the time now, but the end of heartache is a fantastic finishing move. Just spinning them around and then slamming them, like slamming them both your knees into their back. That's great. Uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, as much as I love Sami Zayn, hits the best blue thunderbomb in the business. Like he just gets so much height and elevation on it. Um and then there's a Will Ospreay Storm Driver that we saw for the first time at a Forbidden Door 2, which is obviously that has the storm breaker, the spinning net breaker off of his shoulder, but I think that the storm driver that's where he just dropped Kenny right on the back of his head. That's like that's pretty gnarly as a move, and now he's kind of adopted into, into his arsenal. Actually, fuck it. Well, the best move, the best signature move in all wrestling right now is Will Ospreay's Hidden Blade. Mm. So, so I <laughs> hard agree. Like, actually, you know, you're making me think here because that move fucking rules. 
So I'm going to go with his, in particular, the flying hidden blade, the one where he's like leaping in the air to hit someone with it. And I've seen him do it enough times in AEW this year that it counts for this one. So, oh, even if you do it once, it yeah. still technically counts. Yeah. Yes, I'll go. I'll go over the hidden blade. You might have to at the end of these uh, AEW awards count how many are uh, pro Osprey. Got a feeling he's going to get quite a more a few more. Well, he's he's had at least a, he's at least had either he's either won or had the nod for all three of the ones I've done so far. So yeah, track <laughs> record. So let's move over to the best spot or coolest spot. You know, whatever maneuver or situation or you know whatever it might have been that made you go like, oh wow. And then the worst or biggest botch, which made you go, oh, wow, that was bad. <laughs> and this could be a variety of different things. It doesn't necessarily need to be like they jumped off of a ladder and either executed it or fell and, you know, fell in their ass or something like that. So I had written down uh, for the biggest botch a couple different things. One of them just being the Dax Hardwood graphic I thought was really funny. <laughs> For pure sake of just like, come on, man. You had a Freudian slip there when you were doing that. I wrote that down with a slash next to it of how many production errors have they had this year. But I think I'm going to give this to the Moxley Phoenix injury and Rick Knox not counting the pinfall. Um, I think I will probably echo that. I've got a few other ones that I've um, got listed, but that's probably the biggest one. Not only because it's just completely inexcusable how Rick Knox behaved in that um, scenario, but it's also that that the the botch that happened early in that match with like uh, Phoenix injuring his back and Moxley uh, being not loopy basically just changed the entire trajectory of the international title. Mm-hmm. It could have been handled so better in so many different ways that it's dangerous for people and it just looks bad because the whole like the pinfall needed to be redone again and all. So all parties ended up having this all messed up. Uh, you know what? I also want to just give a strong shout out to officiating in general. In AEW slash RH, there, there's so many little things of just like, uh, for example, during the Edge and Christian match on uh, the December 6th Dynamite, where I think it was Rick Knox or Bryce Remsburg, one of them, they were just out the entire time. And the minute Christian covers Adam, hmm. he's just like, I'm up. One, two, three. It's like, you did just little things like that with the referees, I really have grown to not love so much anymore. Like, at first I thought Aubrey was really good, but over time it's just like all the referees here are kind of meh. Yeah. And I do agree with how Rick Knox handled that match. And there, there's a point that can be made arguably that that is the biggest botch of the year but i think ultimately the biggest botch of the year might be the punk comes back to the company <laughs> like it, it just it was almost doa you know and was he eight ball chains he, he was not able <laughs> or chains but uh honestly that that whole run just seems to have kind of pushed back 
the entire division, the entire promotion. It led to something fun in WWE, sure, but like it felt so mishandled from almost the minute he came back on the first collision. Um, that's a really strong pick. And I almost want to go with it. But as I'm saying that, I just remembered, I love you to death, Adam Cole. But you jumped off a ramp. And now you're out for an indeterminate amount of time because that's a good pick. Jumped off a ramp. And that, lo- that screwed up two different titles and I months worth cool. of programming. Yeah, You guys know that. But wow, that was just maybe the epitome of like, well, I wish you would have just gotten off the ramp calmly and not done that who knows what would have been different and the other ones kind of listed down of like um mentioned cm punk but in terms of the actual thing that he did in ring this year he he hit the worst gts of his entire career on samoa joe earlier this year in terms of just absolutely missing him it was the one where he came out as a um as a fake mask wrestler the golden vampire Yeah. yeah Just like there was just a terrible GTS, just absolutely got nothing onto Joe at all. Um, I've got the Jack Perry real glass thing because that Mm -hmm. is just a a botching all design. And then there was one that would probably go under the radar, but there was something earlier this year, very early in the year, with Willow Nightingale powerbombing Anna Jay off the stage. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. No, that was right at the start of this year because that was it was one of Ty Mello's last matches before she oh. the pregnancy announcement was the um the street fight that she and uh, Ruby had against uh, Anna Jay and Ty Mello. That is worth talking about because that was big, and it took Anna Jay out for, for quite a few months as well. Yeah. Ah. Hmm. I don't like saying anything negative about Willow because I know she she wouldn't have meant. Oh, Will, it, Willow but, yeah, is great, but the, there, that is worth. Yeah, I mean, people botch. When they're good, people watch when they don't mean it. Yeah, it happens. Still you make know, fun of them. <laughs> um, not, I, I almost hesitate to bring this up, but I think, I don't know where else we could talk about it. The Canadian Destroyer that took out Dante Martin at Ring of Honor. Oh, God, yeah. I, I was talking about that one. It was one of the most gnarly injuries I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was horrible. Like, I, I've been watching that in heel time, just seeing his leg just, flopping around like just unattached to anything it's just oh that was that's disgusting i remember seeing that and immediately showing my wife because it freaks her out <laughs> just being like hey take a look at this <laughs> yeah uh, that's definitely one of those ones that um i forgot that yeah. i didn't write that down but uh, if i would have written that down and remembered that probably yeah. throughout the year i would have been like what's what's going to beat this you know I don't know if anything's going to beat Adam Cole for me personally, but I do have to bring this up. Maybe the entire handling of Ring of Honor. I'm just a botch of oh, a company in general when it I, comes to... I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it seems mean, but I because I, I feel like they are riding the ship as we head towards Final Battle. Yeah, but yeah, has, has, has it been perfect? Absolutely not. But I think that... Because fundamentally, I, I just always go back to the mindset of this company wouldn't exist without... This I do just so. want to give it give it the rightful mention of like it wasn't great. I hope it gets better, but I do want to at least bring it up as hey, this could have been handled better, just all the way around. Well, let's talk about some positives, cool spots. I only had two written down actually, and I know that I'm missing out on tons of things. 
I had written down face of the revolution ladder match spots. And then I eventually wrote down, take your pick from the Texas death match at full gear and chose that one. Cause that was just like, was that too much for you? A variety of like, this is cool. This is cool. That's pretty neat. That, no, that's, that that's going to get my match. win. Like that. They kicked ass in that match. That was great. That whole match might, we might be talking about it a lot, actually. Um, Definitely that. I'll, anything Vikingo did when he wrestled, yeah. I think he's one of the best in the world. He's like a pinball. There's <laughs> um, I gotta give some love to CM Punk in the opposite of the GTS hitting the Pepsi plunge to Samoa Joe. I think that was a really cool spot and a really cool callback, and would might be the last time he ever uses that move ever. Uh, it's that's that's gonna happen in uh the we'll match against Rollins. That's yeah. totally gonna have to happen. Um, but you know, you mentioned the Texas Death Match at Full Gear, and how do you that visual of the blood pouring into Hangman's mouth is gonna be looked at forever? I think that might be the coolest spot of the year. I don't ever want to see anybody do it again, but it was very cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the that's that's the abiding shot for me of that entire match. Which, I mean, fundamentally, that that match was so great. And again, we will probably bring it up later on in this uh, in these awards. But it kind of under it kind of obscures the fact that Hangman had another awesome Texas Death Match earlier this year with John Moxley, with the final shot of him uh, choking Moxley out with a chain hanging out from the outside the ring was another great visual as well. That there were lots great. of great spots. I, I rewatched that match um, in the build-up to this and just seeing some spots like doing a, a curb stomp onto a brick and just loads of just loads of old crazy stuff with barbed wire, like Hangman wrapping himself around with barbed wire and then doing a moonsault off the, the ring into the floor. It was crazy. But there was some other cool stuff. I am um, With Vikingo, the big one for me was the 630 splash through a table, table. against the Mega, which was big. That was awesome. Um, MJF hit that uh, diving elbow onto Brian Danielson in their um, in their Iron Man match at Revolution. But then, even cooler than that was he um, he then did a tombstone pole driver onto the um, remains of the table afterwards, like a jump, a leaping uh, tombstone through that stuff. That was just again another crazy thing. Um, anything that involved the bed of nails in the Blood of Guts match. It's oh. like it's just crazy to have bed of nails in a match, and it's just like that was just fun. Uh, but I think the one I'm gonna oh, the, the two that I'm going between at the moment because there's two that I haven't mentioned, but the ones that stand out are the uh, all at uh, all in Darby Allen doing a coffin drop onto a coffin, <laughs> just exploding the coffin that um, like Strickland was in, and then the other one is again, this might be recency bias, but powerhouse Hob slamming Paul White onto a car. It was nice that. They didn't. The reason Paul White was there wasn't to turn on Jericho or anything else, but to put Powerhouse over. I do have to give credit to that. So I think I might just give it to that, just because it is a absolutely crazy feat of strength. So and gives Paul White something to like. Th- th- that's kind of his AEW legacy, right? There is him getting slammed on that car. Nice. All righty, so let's move over to recognition now this is the biggest 
the most underrated person on the roster and the most overrated person on the roster. So it's the biggest disparity between what people keep like loving and hating and where you stand on these uh, particular wrestlers. I haven't picked either of these quite yet, but I have a couple of people that uh, I have in mind. And again, stop me if uh, this is one of your picks, but uh, I have on my most overrated options. I've got uh, Aussie open is on there. Cause I just don't see anything that makes them stand out from 900 other wrestlers. And they won titles this year and they keep like, I don't think you're going to get either one of us. <clears throat> on that. No, but that's part of the whole thing is like, I keep hearing how great they are. And I keep just seeing the same wrestlers that I see across the board, like Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher to me, they don't do anything that I don't see from 12 other people that are in like ring of honor or, you know, the AW roster or WWE roster or NXT. Like they're just, they're guys. They're not bad, but people go nuts over them, and I'm like, mm, I don't see it. Um, I have CM Punk on this list. Everybody was talking about him. Oh, he's so great, and all this other kind of stuff. And he's it's fucking like, great. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> see, overrated. <laughs> nope. I've got Danhausen on this list for reasons that I've mentioned a million times. I don't find the character funny. I'll, I'll argue with you. I'll, I might go with you on that one. You might not on Darby Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah. Uh, I'd say if anything, he's underrated. I think, though, who I'm gonna go with, and I'm gonna really upset probably both of you, but at the very least, I'm gonna upset Callum here Jamie Hader. Wow, that is you know, that's you know, that's a uh, bullshit, right? <laughs> overrated. I she's fine, I haven't seen anything great from her. And everybody acts like she's the savior of the division. And I'm like, she is. I'm like, if that's what the saving of the division is going to look like, I don't think I'm going to change my opinion about the women's division and AEW for this year. Like everything she does is fine. Okay. So there, there is a downgrade section. So I might save one of these names for that. Uh, there's some crossover uh, when it comes to those things. Yeah. Because. I was going to say Miro, but he also might just work for downgrade. Because, like, Miro, at this point, I've almost lost any interest I have in seeing him compete. Like, he went from being a really fun character as the Redeemer TNT champion to being like, hey, he teamed with Darby and Sting and then disappeared for a year. And now he's kind of badgering his wife. And I'm... Mm -hmm. I'll say this right now. I don't know where it's going. I don't like that story at all. It actually makes me kind of uncomfortable yeah. because CJ said, you know, things about him being a bit overbearing in interviews and it just kind of makes me uncomfortable, but maybe that's the point. I don't know. I'll spoil um, that. He's on my potentials, but he's not going to be my pick when it comes to that category. So it, so it works were, a little bit more. So I guess on downgrade though, because I didn't put him on overrated because I don't see anybody going nuts over that story. Um, but for, for me, for most overrated, I think people are catching up to it and I like them a lot, but not this year. MJF, dude. I figured MJF will be at least one pick. If not it's, both of your picks, it's not, it's not doing it for me, 
so he's going to be my overall um, pick for overrated. But I do want to give a couple of shout outs and just say something real quick. Claudio, Keith Lee, and a bunch of these other people, some of them just aren't anywhere different than they would be if they were in <laughs> WWE. Maybe Claudio because he's getting a chance to fuck around with the BCC, and that's just fun to watch always. But when I think of like Keith Lee and stuff like that, I'm like, you know, maybe he's exactly where he would have been if he stayed with WWE, and it can always change, and I'm open to that, and I hope it does, of course, but I do want to bring that up because I think that's a huge problem. And I do think people tend to forget that Keith Lee was fired. You know, he didn't actually just leave the company out of his own volition. No, I, he was, I understand. He was fired. I, I do understand that. But I'm just saying in the sense that, like, people, we're talking about overrated, people acted like, well, he's going to get to come in now and he's going to wear Kenny Omega and he's going to do all these great things. And mm-hmm. he's just sort of... The potential hasn't been realized at all. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, well, like, no, it can always well, change. I'll, I'll put it this way. Keith Lee's one of my choices for potential overrated. And that's because he's not the guy from 2019. And and, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to say, again, maybe controversial, I think he's being pushed to his level now. You know, as somebody who frequently will pick Keith Lee on like our mock drafts and all, which obviously go back and check out previous mock drafts if you're interested in that. Uh, and somebody who has him down on my like all-time fantasy card and thinks that he at one point in time should have beaten Brock Lesnar to win the championship at mania type level. I, I kind of, kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. But there's other things. There's uh, I, when I, I would have a bit of an issue with the underrated overrated thing, because who's doing the writing. And I think that fundamentally, if most people think that someone's good, they're probably good. And I don't think that that's too much for, too much of a, a wild statement to say, but I think that there's some people that are kind of, pushed too heavily by the company for what I think their level currently is or what they are. I mean, there's tons of people like Billy Gunn shouldn't be a champion oh. in 2023. Oh. As, as, as over as that thing got, he should not be a champion in 2023. Oh, he's too, he's too old and he's not that good anymore. <sighs> Fundamentally, he wasn't that good in his prime. So that now it's not, even, it's not, not really not that great. So um, uh, Jeff Jarrett, just... What is Jeff Jarrett still doing? Like, I, I knew like, there was a lot of fun stuff earlier in the year, but like now we're over a year in and it's like, okay, now he's killing the company or he's playing a part in killing the company. I have him down as one of my most underrated. <laughs> oh, you really? Yeah, I do. Because I'm like, everybody hates Jeff Jarrett. I think Jeff Jarrett's great. I don't have him down on either end. I think it's amazing that he's still doing anything. And I don't think that they've. We should be doing it somewhere him. else. Do it, do it somewhere like. Somewhere that no one really cares that much. It's like just he's just hanging on for the sake of it, and now he's like infiltrated the backstage stuff as well. The Hardy Boys are still used when they shouldn't really be on a mainstream wrestling show anymore. Careful, Matt's gonna hear that and talk about it on the podcast because he's been. Uh, that's kind of his thing. I think they're building towards some kind of a heel turn, where basically the idea is people keep saying nobody wants to see the Hardy Boys. And he feels like, well, we're the Hardy Boys. No, but I, I don't want to see that because that means they're going to get pushed. And I don't <laughs> want them to be pushed. I just want them, I want them pushed out of the company, if anything else. Um, Wardlow. Oh, not a bad That's pick. <laughs> Wardlow's a good option. 
there's there's other ones. I mean, I'm talking the women's side of things. Ruby Soho's deteriorated as a wrestler. Uh, Britt Baker's not very good in the ring anymore. Don't know what what happened there, but she just she, whenever she does have an opportunity to wrestle, she's not that good. Uh, Soraya, of course, shouldn't be that shouldn't have been the world champion at any point, but um, I guess understandable for the popularity side of things. But you know, it's like she's not uh, delivered in the ring. Sky Blue gets title opportunities constantly and is constantly pushed. And she has a lot of potential, but she just isn't there yet, and she's overexposed. Uh, Ty Valkyrie, I've never liked. Well, I'll say never liked Ty Valkyrie, but Ty Valkyrie in in at this point in her career just is is not worthwhile having around. But and probably, and again, this this one hurts probably for the most to say because of how much I revere this this person overall but uh, Chris Jericho shouldn't be where he is right now like Chris Jericho is the most overrated person from a, a booking standpoint he should be very much middle of the card now but you kind of can't because of how important he is to the formation and the foundation of the company but he very much feels like you know, like a Hogan in late stage WCW. Mm. So I don't know if it's overrated the right term. He's still going the ring. There's still a lot of good in Chris Jericho. And he does put a lot of people over, I think. But but I'm starting to now understand why people think that even though he does put people over, he isn't really putting them over in the way they should be being put over. It's more over by proxy. Well, it's more of a case of like he's attaching himself to someone who is in the process of getting over and then they for some reason they're not on TV the next couple of weeks or months and he still is. Even if he loses to them like three or four times in a row, he's still gonna be in a prominent position. They may not be. Yeah. So 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 yeah, I understand why people think that Jericho is getting too much TV time. So he probably is now reached the point where he's overrated. You know, another one I wanna say for that is the acclaimed I, I when tony when one of you said billy gunn i was like you know what the, the acclaimed i think they're a great act i really do but this is a year where i kind of felt like okay we gave too much airtime to it and where are the six-man tag titles and another I'm not going to ever say that they're overrated, but this is the closest I've ever come to going, man, for me this year, the Young Bucks. Just, it wasn't I can there. see that. I can see it that for sure. It wasn't there for the Young Bucks. And I think maybe we're in a stage where whatever they do at a high level, appreciate it because this is the first year I was like, oh, they're, they might not be long for this world and they might not be like long for it. Like, you know, doing the wrestling thing i hope I'm, again hope i'm wrong and mjf is still my overall pick but those are some names i did want to bring up as well so let's uh switch gears over to the most underrated you know people that we don't think get enough recognition i almost went with samoa joe because i do think that people kind of write him off and i'm like yeah he could he, he made yeah, up for it yeah he could very be easily be the champion and then it got to the point where it's like okay never mind he's fighting for the championships and all but i'm gonna go sammy guevara 
because people yeah. still rag on Sammy, and I think he is one of the best people in the ring. I think he has a, an interesting enough heel character. I think that he has the potential if they tweak a couple things that he could be a good baby face. It's just, they haven't quite figured out the formula yet. And as you can hear, <laughs> there's some responses like that. And I'm like, no, Sammy Guevara would be one of those guys that I would want in my company for sure. I, I, I don't disagree with the fact that he is, a great wrestler and he's also a great character i just don't know what you think that he should be pushed to you think he should be world champion right now i think he should be in a spot where if he won the title people would accept it then he should be better at his job <laughs> 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 oh, i love sassy cow <laughs> all the more reason why i'm picking him one of the most underrated ones in this podcast at the very least so i might have to go with that one i'm going to change it and just thrust her in there <laughs> um but i've got some people listed people that um matt menard uh, he's, he's great he's, he's, he's one of the best promos in the the company so i want to mention him there um powerhouse hobbs i know he's getting his flowers to a degree now with the um the don Callis family but i still think that he isn't he isn't positioned as high as he should be. Uh, Brody King, again, he's doing great stuff with the Continental Classic, but he's clearly the the top guy of the House of Black. I, mean, I, I know it's Malachi Black's group, but he is clearly the the best person in that in that group. Um, women so aid Athena because she's languish. I say languishing on Ring of Honor. She's thriving in Ring of Honor, but it's just on Ring of Honor, and she should be more prominently featured on the quote-unquote main roster uh emmy sakura because she's great and she's just kind of just using the gatekeeper role i'd like to have some sort of story attached to what she's doing and um, willow nightingale she won the Owen tournament but they haven't really done they haven't really pulled the trigger on willow yet and they they really should because she's one of their best workers she's one of their most over baby faces like i, I don't know why they haven't strapped her up with a title so far because like but she's she's one of the best they have. But the um the most underrated right now in AEW is Adam Page. He should be he, he should be consistently. Well, as actually uh, put it this way, he should be consistently in the world title picture. But that's just a given. He is, and I, I've said it before, and I'll say it over and over again. He is the main character of AEW. Mm-hmm. And. And he has felt like a side character for so long this year. But he should be, I don't say like he has to be the focus of every major story. Of course, I'm not saying that he should just be constantly the biggest story in AEW. But everything that he should do, everything he does and does not do should matter in the grand scheme of things. I think there's been too much this year of him just being, you know, attached to the elite, but not really being the big story of the elite. Because the big story of the elite is Kenny and... Kenny Omega and Don Callis's rivalry. So he's just kind of involved there, but not a big part of it. And the Swerve Strickland thing was to get Swerve over, not to get him over. So I think we need to see a revival of Adam Page being the guy in AEW again. I think you will. I do. I think of all the people in the elite, he's going to be the one that rise up because. Say what you will, he's one of the only ones that just consistently goes with the flow. It has definitely felt to me like post last year's 
all out. The Bucks have kind of stayed within their little their safety zone. Kenny's kind of branched out a little bit, but even I think I would never call Kenny Omega underrated, but I would say not utilized in the position that I would rather see him utilized in. Because I think if he's only got a couple of years as a full-time guy, we need to be really having him in some big-time matches. But I do agree with what you're saying about Hangman, where he is their Sting, and right now he feels like Sting in 95, where there's too much focus on Hogan and Savage. And it's like, Sting's right there. And you're not doing anything with him. And hopefully in 2024, they start to do stuff with Hangman again. Um, For my underrated pick... He was in the... Look, he was in the world title match full gear, and he's not my pick, but I do want to say I thought Jay White would have been a little more... A bigger deal. Final boss tier, and he hasn't been. I'm still hoping he wins this Continental Classic, even though I know a lot of people are pulling for Swerve. Um, I thought Kanosuke Takeshita would have a belt by now. I thought, you know, this would have been a bigger year for a guy like Bandito, but I think he's injured, so that might be the reason why. I think I might have to go with Daniel Garcia. Another good pick, guy. Here's a guy who beat Brian Danielson last year and was already in the midst of this, like, I'm a wrestler, not a sports entertainer. And then they let that story just play out for way too long, and it got stale. And now he's in the need to reboot himself again. And I think that it's damn unfortunate because he's a guy who should be you're fighting a TNT champion. Like you're fighting international champion. Like that orange Cassidy run that nobody expected from Cassidy could have gone to a guy like Daniel Garcia. And I think it's unfortunate. Going back to the big botch things, not going with Daniel Garcia, having the, no, I'm a pro wrestler feuding with Jericho thing. That should be up there. Do it. Did they, they were just like, no, we we don't want to do that. It's like, that's the most obvious story in your face. Yeah. Is he your ultimate pick? Yeah, he's my ultimate pick. I'm going to go with Garcia. So on a similar wavelength, improvement in a wrestler or the opposite. Biggest upgrade, biggest downgrade from a previous year. Pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we need to really dive into explaining that a little bit more. Write down a couple options for downgrade. Uh, Thunder Rosa yep you know just yep mia the entire year uh miro we mentioned before to an extent ethan page he wasn't a high high up person but just seems like he they perpetually did nothing with him and he got like lower and lower on the card you can make the argument about jack perry i think guy was on a huge upward swing and now he's not around um, the two people that I was really debating the most about, though, CM Punk was one of them, just for the way that things played out. But I gotta go, Britt Baker. Yep, I'm gonna be right there with you. Is it really true that she didn't have a minute's worth of promo time this year? Probably not, because she probably did some backstages. 
but she was not in the ring cutting promos. She was not the focal point of the division. As Callum said, when she is wrestling now, it feels a step off. Mm-hmm. It This wasn't a strong year for Baker, and I think that kind of like Hanger, she needs to find herself again. She started out in the company as like the focal point. Very quickly became like, oh, there's problems here. She's not wrestling at the level that we all kind of think that she could be skyrocketed up to the focal point, top of the line and right back down to a nosedive. I think just because of where she stands in the women's division, she needs to be doing more. You know, there's very few women in this company that are over, over and Brit, for a while was the face of the entire division and she just hasn't done much this year. And I don't know why that is ultimately. So there's obviously plenty to choose from including the names that you've um, just mentioned. It's going to list off some of the ones that I had put down was um, Scorpio Sky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, best friends. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, Dark Order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Keith Lee, of course. Um, Santana and Ortiz. Mm. Big, big, good options there. Death Triangle, I'd argue. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Especially with Pac, has unfortunately been very unlucky with injuries throughout this entire year. Uh, Layla Gray. Lost her, lost her purpose really because as soon as Jake Cargill went, she was just she just disappeared. Uh, Wardlow she's again. Still on the roster page. I think so. She still she still does stuff for Ring of Honor. So. Um. Yes, she is still on the roster page. That's good. Yeah, I agree completely. Wardlow's yeah again his just his popularity has dropped significantly and just his overall presence. But the one that I'm going to go for is every member of the Jericho Appreciation Society apart from Chris Jericho. <laughs> hard to argue yeah because i can see it the, the whole purpose of i don't say like the whole purpose that was if i was in the, the meeting but i would assume like one of the ideals of having the jericho pre-chain society would be eventually that one of them would either rise up and take on jericho or that they would eventually all you know benefit from being associated with one of the biggest legends in modern wrestling history but Fundamentally, like Jericho leaves to be feuding with Don Callis and be part of this whole um, the tag team of Kenny Omega. But now that Sammy's injured, he's supposedly part of the Don Callis family. But now he's his position feels like it's been usurped by Powerhouse Hobbs. Then the rest of the JS are just like in nothing tag team match for the most part. Daniel Garcia, as you've already mentioned, is now on the on a journey of rediscovering himself as through the Continental Classic. But then, like now, um, Cool Hand Ange is part of a uh, a romance angle with <laughs> yeah. Ruby Soho. Yeah. Um, like Matt Menard's now part of like trying to trying to both stop Daniel Garcia from dancing and also preventing uh, Ange from getting with Ruby Soho for some reason. And then Jake Hager doesn't have his hat anymore. (laughs) And Anna Jay's kind of nothing anymore. And obviously Ty Mello's uh, away for other reasons. Yeah, for other reasons. So I think that, uh, but yeah, I think that overall the 
being part of the Jericho Appreciation Society did nothing to elevate any of the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, apart from Jericho just staying where he is. I guarantee you, if you ask somebody, they'll tell you, well, it was Sammy, and he got hurt. Uh, things happen sometimes. But there is the matter of there was four other people in the group. Mm. Especially, look, I know nobody cares about Jake Hager slash Jack Swagger in 2023, but he had a pretty good role, cozy role, as as long as Jericho needs a heater, Jake Hager's got a spot. And ever since that's kind of gone by the wayside, there hasn't been much use for Jake Hager. So there's a, that's a very good pick, Cal. And there's strong reasons for a lot of those people. I, because Tony said Bert Baker so early, I just want to throw out some other ones. In a lot of ways, I'm going to say FTR. In the sense that it feels like they were doing a lot, and then suddenly their popularity plummeted. I don't know if it's because of the friendship of punk or whatever, but it seems like people aren't as stoked to see FTR as they were even six months ago. You know, like something just randomly happened where suddenly people don't care for FTR, and that's interesting to me. I'd also say, you know... Air Fox looked like he was going to be set up thing, <laughs> and then just dropped off the face of the earth. Action Andretti ended last year with a win over Chris Jericho and just kind of went to Ring of Honor. Lots of little stuff like that. Well, on the upgrade side, a couple different people had a major upgrade this year. Athena being one of them. Not my pick, but you know, honorable mention. Eddie Kingston is really high up there on my list. I'm not entirely sure. I might end up going with Eddie Kingston. Um, Chris Statlander beat Jade Cargo, won the TBS championship. It's pretty great. Orange Cassidy is a major contender for big upgrade to me this year because he became like, okay, I really liked Orange Cassidy from the very start, but now everybody's on board with yup he can go in the ring he's more serious of a contender um christian cage is a really good pick for this strong pick the guns yep strong picks strong strong pick and also swerve strickland another major upgrade all of these so, people could be picks i don't know who i'm gonna go with to be honest so i was gonna go with swerve and then I remembered that last year for downgrade, I had to break my own heart and say Adam Cole. But he rectified that this year and headlined Wembley and was a huge part of the storyline. Still is, even now that he's injured again, unfortunately. So I'm going to say Adam Cole got an upgrade back to where he should have been when he walked in the door. Yeah, quite a few people potentially listed for this one. Got the, most of the people that you've already mentioned: Cassidy, Strickland, Christian Cage, The Guns, and Juice Robinson as well. Adding into that, uh, Samoa Joe. He's way more position now. He's basically like, like 
equal to the world title almost in certain ways. The Kingdom and Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong best definitely because he was uh, in a wheelchair in NXT for most of 2022. Now he's now he's in a wheelchair. No, in wheelchair. But he's on TV. <laughs> but he's on TV all the time at the very least. Uh, like Julia Hart, Chris Statlander, Sky Blue, they're all like in in higher level positions now than they were this time last year. Julia Hart, very good pick for that, yeah. I'm kind of thinking of someone, and again, maybe it's just because I want to mention this guy, because all the other ones are definitely very much deserving, and probably in my head I'm thinking either Christian Cage or Orange Cassidy being the the rightful winner. But part of me just wants to go with this guy, because just the transformation of where he was, maybe not just even last year, but like several years ago, where he kind of now is today in AEW. I'm going to go Big Bill. It's a good pick, yeah. I think that like to come now into AEW and be a tag team champion, to be like so effective in his role, a great promo, great big man in the ring, like a great foil for Ricky Starks as well, to just be a good partner for him as well. Just to think that like so many years ago, I just thought, where's this guy going to end up or is he ever going to get back into this and the struggles that he's very publicly said that he's dealt with over the time and the way that he's managed to transform and be in the position where he is now a champion in the second biggest promotion in North America I think it's uh yeah I think it says says a lot to the strength of his character I was like when we could talk about the positives like that <laughs> to counterbalance all of our wow this person had a terrible year and all See, we're a good balance of those kind of things. Uh, positives and the negatives. Which, reminder, let us know the positives and the negatives of SmartCon Moment. Vote on the 2023 fan feedback survey and tell us what you think we did great, what we could improve on, everything heading into 2024. That's kind of your own little end-of-the-year awards in some ways. I think I'm going to actually... I think I'm going to go Eddie Kingston for my pick. For upgrade guys got two championships right now and it's technically in a tournament where they could have won a triple crown thing with that it's a big upgrade good for him that is fair now ring work and uh, we could save uh, mic work we'll, we'll do ring work and focus on that and then instead of combining these to get a little too confusing uh, ring work is as self-explanatory as it could be and uh I have my runner-up is Jeff Hardy for worst, but I'm going to go Trench. I'm sorry, motherfucker. When did you tr- wrestle a match? <laughs> he didn't wrestle. He didn't have a match. <laughs> You're going to hear me bring up Trench a couple of times. Uh, am I? When, the fuck did, when did he do anything? I, look, I watch a lot of wrestling week to week, but I don't recall seeing Trench at all. I forgot Trench existed, so he probably won't even. No, he, he's not the car <laughs> in any of my stuff. Um, gosh, I, I don't want to dogpile on Jeff Hardy. You know, it's go ahead. Um, it's better than Swanton bombing him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just so glad he's, you know, healthy. around. Yeah, like so. I I'm not gonna dogpile. So what you're saying um, is your real answer is Jeff Hardy, but you feel bad that we don't want to make him a three-time uh, vote on this. <laughs> uh, well, potentially. But no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to actually say I'm, I'm just not a big fan 
of anything that, from an in-ring standpoint, I think Dan Housen's a great character. I don't like his in-ring stuff. I think uh, this was really a year where it kind of feels like it was crap or get off pot time with Lance Archer. I don't know if he's ever going to be what he could have been in the beginning of, of the year. He's crush. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. modern day crush. He, he sure is actually. I, I wouldn't have expected to talk about crush today, but here we are. <laughs> um, no, but that's my, the my second work, disciples of apocalypse thing on this episode. Yeah, what the fuck's <laughs> going on with you? <laughs> uh, um, no, but I think I'm going to go worst overall in ring work and, you know, I like the guy, but I I never want to see Jeff Jarrett get another title match in AEW. He does a lot of great things, and I'm glad he is still going. Never get me wrong. I love me some Double J, but he was overexposed this year. So I had the six nines written down. Hmm. Free men, free women. Well, technically four men and three women, but we'll get to why that's still free, free, free and free in a little while, but three women I had written down were Ruby Soho, who's deteriorated this year, Anna Jai, who again I think has deteriorated this year in ring, and Ty Valkyrie, who I just don't think has been good since like 2020, 2021. And then on the men's side, I have Billy because he's being, he's having to be carried by two younger guys to, to just do his odd few spots. Um... Then the Hardy Boys as a, as a duo, because mm-hmm. Matt should not be blameless in this as well. He's definitely uh, like definitely past his peak, well past his peak in terms of in ring stuff. But the one I'm probably going to go for is, and it seems a bit harsh because he's new and I think he's young, and so it's like just like know that he'll eventually get better. But it's Gravity. Yeah. That that triumvirate of like gravity, Komandar, and there, there's a yeah, they're really good. But the problem with them, you bring up the Hardy Boys. The biggest problem with the Hardy Boys right now is people want to see the Hardy Boys be the Hardy Boys, and it's like they can't. And I worry that guys like Gravity and Vikingo and Komandar, who are struggling now to do some of the amazing feats that they can pull off, are gonna fall into that trap. It's like just I know you're bringing this up. I would not put Gravity in the same conversation as Commander, and I think both Commander and um, the Kingo are awesome. They're both absolutely fantastic in the ring for the most part. Gravity is so far behind them. He is. That is true. I, I think he's, he's weighted also, down compared to. He's the also more character. <laughs> he's, he's weighted down. <laughs> Do you think he walks I mean, around I, I, backstage and he doesn't know Pac's name? Because gravity forgot. <laughs> I got, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but, um, but I, I'm remembering uh, was, again. It was a recent match. There was a tag team match on Collision. Uh, it was House of Black versus Gravity and Commander. And basically, every time Gravity was in the ring, a spot was botched or something went wrong because they just couldn't seem to work around him. He's as like he's very, very green, and they're giving him opportunities. But I just don't think he's ready. For, he's he's perfect for Ring of Honor. He's not ready to be on like either a Dynamite or a Collision or even a Rampage at this point. So you're saying it's hard to work around him because he drags you down? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say that. I didn't say that because I know better. 
<laughs> uh, I should have made a digging a trench comment. I didn't think about that. What's wrong with you in trench? I don't understand this. Oh, I'm going to mention trench again, <laughs> uh, but not on the best ring work by any means. Um, take your pick from a lot of different people. There's some really great people in the ring here, but I'm going to go Orange Cassidy on this. He had a really good year. He had a really strong year. I think I hope to God this was the year that he stays main event. Where if he dips below main event, it's very, very upper mid card. Um, he's a tremendous wrestler. He had the best title reign I think this company's produced. Just period. That Spoiler being said, <laughs> That being said, Brian Danielson kind of stamped his legacy this year. And he had every right to not even leave WWE. He could have stayed there forever. He had every right to phone in this company. It still would have been great because he's Brian Danielson. He has taken it upon himself to show you why he's the best wrestler in the world. He has, you know, continued to wrestle despite broken forearms and fractured orbitals he continues to improve his promo game to levels that you know a lot of people probably haven't seen from him it's brian danielson he had the best year if he's not a pick he's at least a runner-up i would assume on everybody's list Mm, absolutely i mean there's the again there's plenty of options i'd say the, on the women's side of things, the ones that I picked out were Athena, Willow Nightingale, Jamie Hayter, and Tony Storm. Just think that they're obviously a, a higher level than pretty much anybody else in the division. But realistically, the other options are like there's so many great ones Cassidy, Danielson, Omega, Adam Page, MJF, Darby Allen, Ricky Starks. They all had really great years in ring. Um, You're going John Silver, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> I mean, Will Ospreay wrestled in AEW this year, so it's yeah, kind of... Yeah, yeah sure did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I don't think, I don't really want to go with Ospreay because he's not, he's not full-time AEW just yet. And as I say, like, he, like his, he had a litany of great matches in AEW, like a good like half dozen good matches, great matches in AEW this year. All matches that he has are great, and he is the best wrestler in the world right now. But just for an AEW standpoint... I'm going to go with Kanosuke Takeshita. I should have seen that coming, but I did not. I think Takeshita's just... Like, he will be... What's... Uh, uh, at least I'd say I will be... As if I can't really predict in the future, but like just based on where he is now, he'll be what... To, to AEW, what Okada was for New Japan. In certain ways. I think that he could be this sort of like this this beacon of a strong style but still having a lot of western influence and the japanese influence and combine it together to create like an absolute mega star if they treat him correctly and i say I've, I've never seen a bad Takeshita match so i think that he's his level his his floor is higher than most than a lot of people's ceiling mm-hmm. that's a good way of uh, phrasing that a mic work just pure talking just the you know 
whether or not they can portray their characters in a great way, if they botch the stick work, you know, pretty self-explanatory again. Here's my one cop-out answer for this uh, section of the awards. Worst? Almost everybody. What? So many people just can't cut a promo in AEW. That is just for someone who watches WWE. That is just such a bullshit answer. <laughs> oh, so many, so many people in WWE are on the list too. People suck at promos these days. You know, I'd say like in just in my list, I've got, I've got six people written down for worst, and I've got about a dozen people written down for best. So I think, I think, I think there are more good promos in AEW than bad. Just from my perspective. Who do you got on your list? All right, so worst ones. Uh, Sam, oh, here's, here's one that you're going to like. Sammy Guevara's got one of the is one of the worst promos in AEW. <laughs> That's why he's not, he can't be like the top guy or be world champion because he can't cut a good promo and that was heavily exposed in the, the, the actual world title feud that he was in this year. Uh, same can be said of Jack Perry. Not a great promo, and being a heel hasn't actually improved that promo that much either. Uh, QT Marshall, <laughs> just a bit like he's just too over the top when he was talking for the most part. And then Wardlow just doesn't have the again. He just doesn't have the the second gear in terms of promo ability. Just think that he's he's lacking there. Anna Jay is too robotic. But Sky Blue is probably the worst promo in AEW, I'd say. Like I'm just trying to listen to her talk. She just is so monotone. Like she just, I don't see a lot of either passion or enthusiasm or a lot of a second gear other than just you know her just talking normally in her slightly deeper voice. That's kind of what that's kind of the level that she's at, and she probably needs to have someone talk for her at this at this stage. I'm here's my disclaimer. You're getting the best cop out answer for me that exists. I think there is plenty of people who have improved on the mic. If you're actually think Sky Blue's getting better. I think she'll find herself. Julia Hart's gotten better. Um, Harley Cameron is annoying, but that's on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a couple promos happened this year, and I can say it. Rick fucking Flair. Ooh, oh, that's, good. that's a good option. Yeah. That is really good. Do you want to make that a three person? <laughs> I mean, I might want to make that a three person because I'm like, fine with adding him down as like the standout for that. Yeah, yeah, it's quite blue's like bad, but like she might get better. Like Rick's obviously never going to get any better than than he is right now. So, and now, no, we're wrestling fans. In no era should we be putting Rick Flair on the worst promo list. But Ric Flair won't get out of Ric Flair's own goddamn way. Hmm. So you don't tell people. First of all, on the promo that I caught right. that aired, he was rambling. And then you don't <laughs> tell people that you want to invite 18 to 28-year-olds to your hotel room at the age of 74. And then respond it's, on Twitter by being like, oh, if you don't like it, I can just leave. <laughs> it's it's not great. Sadly, Ric Flair 
is my worst promo of the year. Mm. Now, as far as best, there are, uh, yeah, I mean, Calum, you said that you had like about a dozen or so people on the best. Like, there are definitely yeah. people that stand out as like great promo people. And I'm sure that there's some crossover here uh, on my list and on your list too. Um, you got anybody that you uh, you can mention yours? Uh, if, if you have, if you're missing somebody, I'll mention mine. But okay, well, I mean, there's some of the ones I've got written down. Um, some ones that definitely won't win, but like, I think are underrated. I think Athena for her stuff in Ring of Honor has probably been the best um, women's promo alongside Tony Storm because, again, not a huge fan of the character, but I can't deny the fact that she's putting her all into it. Uh, Mark Briscoe's a great promo. There's no one who cuts a promo like Mark Briscoe. Yeah, for in his own style, it works really well. And then there's some of the obvious ones Mojo, CM Punk, Eddie Kingston, Daddy Magic. Juice Robinson, Juice Robinson and Jay White. But again, you could probably put a lot of bullet club gold, but those two in particular are just so much fun. And Adam Page is great. And Ricky Starks, of course, is not going to MJF, my one. So that might be the one that you decide to go with. He's on my list, but he's not the one I'm actually going to pick. Have I mentioned the one you're going to pick? Not yet. Then I'm going to make my pick as saying that Christian Cage is the best promo. You know, He is my pick. Yeah. You also didn't mention another person on my list, uh, Don Callis. I'm not. I'm not super into Don Callis at the moment in terms of his promo stuff. I think he's 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 taking up too much time. Yeah. But but yeah, I think Christian like or everything Christian says, I'm all ears for. He's the best talker. Actually, I want to add another thing that might work as well. Again, it wouldn't be the winner, but just a normal mention. God, Adam Copeland's so much better. Yep. <laughs> in AEW promo perspective than uh, his uh, sitting with the mood lighting in WWE. I, I know a lot of people are still like crapping on Adam and they're like, oh, he's he's too he thinks he's too acting, he's too low budget theater. But I think this has really worked out for him. I can't wait to see when he mixes it up with someone that isn't Christian because right now he's leaning heavily on Christian and their whole history. I can't wait to see when he's mixing it up with other people. Um, I'm not going with Christian. He's high up there. He's doing the best work of his career. I'm going to just... Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Can't give it to him in WWE this year because it's only been three promos deep and they mm-hmm. have been great. CM Punk, when that guy talks, you care, you listen. It becomes discourse. For the next 72 hours, no matter what the fuck he says, CM Punk is must-watch promo. I think they're already trying to lean into it too heavily in WWE, where it's like, he hasn't said anything yet, and they're like, mic drop moment. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> but, but in AEW, specifically his first promo back on Collision, was some of the most compelling TV, because he came back and was just like, screw you David Zasloff says I'm worth a billion (laughs) dollars you know like he everything he says matters I'm going with CM Punk and I think that his promos are something that company was benefiting from greatly tell me what I'm telling lies Uh, I love the report that came out um, earlier today when we were recording this um, there was a uh, that uh, Dave Meltzer was saying that uh, the, the talks about who's getting raw now in the TV deals have gone up like the talks have added to like added to another 
bit a lot more intensity and a lot more mm. ferocity since punk got signed i love good. that good that's he, how it should be yeah <clears throat> whether people like it or not and i know look i saw some people like oh my god ross should be doing a 3.5 with punk if he's so great <laughs> whether people like it or not punk is the he's the guy right now he's a draw right now and he had a whole ass show in this company that we're talking about built around him and his it was gonna be the punk show collision. So he's the man and he cuts some great promos. It's a shame that they didn't just call it clobber in time. <laughs> Different rights issue. We have one more set to talk about for the technical skills in AEW. And that is the best and the worst match of the year. One of the biggest categories that we have on our end of the year uh smarkies another self-explanatory type thing and another thing to preface uh i have not seen so many matches this year if you just count pretty much all of ring of honor and then pretty much all of rampage that i haven't watched this year i haven't been watching collision and there are some episodes of dynamite that i haven't watched uh like this uh, the previous uh, week when I was in Orlando, like, uh, you know, didn't watch any AEW or WWE television that week. So probably I know the best or the worst match could have happened around then. But I, for the most part, I've been trying to pay attention. If anybody says something was really bad or really good, then I would go back and watch those particular things. And I only have one match written down for the worst match of the year. So I'm Maybe there's matches that I missed out on that people have in their mind or something. But right now, the only one I have is Anna Jay versus Britt Baker house rules. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember. The memories are coming back now. Yeah, that might now, have to be it. Now, now, did you see that whole match in its entirety? I'm sure I did when it happened. I honestly don't remember too much about it now since it's been so many months ago, but I've watched, I know I had to at least watch it because I wouldn't have just put it down there without like, you know, like some other matches I've heard are bad, but I didn't see them. So it's like, I can't really mention uh, them, but I can't tell you anything that happened during the match now that it's, this was like March or something, right? I can't remember yeah. exactly when it happened. And it was pre yeah, like right. summer, so like April, May, maybe. Yeah, somewhere somewhere around that time frame. I think I think it was it was <clears> later <throat> than that because that was when Anna J there was one of her first matches back from injury after the Willow Nightingale thing. Looks like it was uh March eighteenth. No, okay. yeah, yeah, March eighteenth. So, but yeah, that's the only match I had written down. You know, it wasn't great, but since I can't call the last time I've seen it in full, I will say a match that I did watch and I was excited for that completely let me down, and that's Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho at Double or Nothing. That's very high up on my own. Yeah, just like, I, you guys know how much I love those guys. I was looking forward to this so much and it delivered almost the exact opposite of what I was looking for and they kind of never did it again 
that would just was like a one and done that was really awkward and I didn't like it. Can I just picture in the horse from the uh, Claudian? No, sir, I didn't like it. So I have a few ones written down. So obviously Adam Cole, Chris Jericho is one of the options there. Uh, Tony Storm versus Hikaru Shida from Full Gear. The whole um, uh, dinner plate and like in this in the singlet spot. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah. That could have been one like of the worst botch things though. A few other ones, uh, like Britt Baker versus Ty Valkyrie from Dynamite was a bad match. It was uh, Hikaru Shida and Ruby Soho Dynamite as well, which wasn't very good. That was like one of the ones that really just shun a light for me of how uh, how uh, how much Ruby is kind of just not there at the moment in ring. Um, another one, just for pure disappointment, Jungle Boy versus Sonata at Forbidden Door 2. The... Uh, IWGP World Championship match, and I don't know if I was expecting anything great, but the fact that they just went out there, just did like 13 minutes of absolutely nothing, and then just left it afterwards, it just kind of shows that, you know, these are two very kind of disappointing people throughout the course of the year, Sonata in particular, just how bad his title run has been. My review of that apparently was nothing I'll remember in a month, and I don't remember anything that happened in it. (laughs) So I was right. And then another one I remember the MGF versus the Righteous from Wrestle Dream. Let's say, like, you may not be the biggest fan of the Righteous, but fucking hell, they got buried six ways to Sunday in that match against MJF, that one on two handicap match for the Ring World of Tag Titles. But the worst of the year, and I'm surprised that I'm going to be the first and potentially only person to mention this Jeff Jarrett versus Jeff Hardy in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match. Oh, that's right. All right. What a pile of shit that was. What the okay. fuck were they thinking? Now, I will say that is one of those matches that I didn't see the full match of, so that might be why I didn't write it down. And in fairness to me, as I've mentioned several times, <coughs> I, I watch enough of this that unless it's really, really good, it no longer sticks in the brain. But my God, now that you've said it, yeah, that sure was something. Just that was not like- great. Just an absolute abomination of like some like recorded stuff as well as some in ring stuff, but it's just like yeah, it's well, it's obviously it's Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett trying to have a singles match in twenty twenty three. It's like I don't know if you're going to do that, then you can't make it like this big important deal that they tried to make this match out to be. And I'm not I'm not entirely opposed to some of the the collaboration stuff that they do, but this was, yeah, not it for me. Yeah. That's a, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, let's talk about some of the other thinkeroonies that have been in this, uh, Jeff Jarrett, Patnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt stuff. Like I didn't like lethal versus Kingston. I thought it was embarrassing ring of honor that they were like the first match on the pre-show and you just see a bunch of people, filtering in and like look you can say whatever you want about Jay Lethal he's not what he used to be but this match could have meant something and it was just sort of like blah it was there uh Jeff Jarrett Eddie Kingston and the Memphis concession stand well that wasn't a concession stand was it it was something akin to it you know like that was a match that happened and sat in staying helped Jeff Jarrett pin Ring of Honor champion Jay Lethal uh, Eddie Kingston. But yeah, some of that stuff, not great. 
thankfully good matches happen this year as well lots more options that are on there stop me if uh if it's your pick but here are the things that i had written down brian danielson versus mjf revolution 60 minute iron man match kenny omega versus vikingo on the march 22nd episode of dynamite the four pillars four-way from double or nothing mjf darby allen jungle boy and sammy guevara the Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay match from Forbidden Door. That's close. I've got MJF versus Adam Cole from All In. I've got Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. from Russell Dream. Uh, again, yeah. And I've got the Texas Death match. Uh, it's it's there's so difficult <laughs> ones to choose from because like Page and Swerve was just out of this world crazy, and but also Page and Moxley was a great match from Revolution. Like Adam Page had two of the greatest death matches I've ever seen. There's like Anarchy in the Arena as well. It's tons of fun this year as well. Surprised um, they didn't get Tony's worst entrance for the Wild thing. And the singing of Wild. <laughs> <laughs> like the best uh, TV match this year for me, for my money, is FTR versus Bullet Club Gold from Collision. That's yeah, uh, that's at least my, I'm debating between that and the Texas Death Match. That match was so much fun. The other, the other match I had listed down as potential best match of the year was Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starks from Wrestle Dream, the uh, strap match. Oh, you mean all out? All out. So yeah, sorry, got the got Wrestle Dream written down there. But um, but yeah, that was uh. And then um, surprised you haven't said it yet, Calm. Kenny Omega MJF on Collision, really good match. I didn't have it listed as a potential one. It was I a know. very good match, but like it's not one that I did a match of the year against all these other ones. I mean, just based on because I did try and rewatch. I, I did go and rewatch some of these ones. I think that like Osprey Omega is great, but it's kind of. I don't say devalued for me, but it's slightly worse from my perspective than the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom. So I'm not going to go with that as the match of the year. I would like I'd make an argument that I could go for Osprey versus Omega at uh, Wrestle Kingdom because one of them re- works for AEW. Now they both definitely do. But at the time, one of them worked for AEW. Um, I Danielson versus Saturday Junior is the best version of technical wrestling in a match that I've ever seen. But I think just overall, I'm going with MJF versus Brian Danielson at Revolution, 60-minute Iron Man match. That was just it, it just pure drama throughout that entire thing. It's just so well put together. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Texas Death Match because I think there's a lot of more iconic visuals that'll live in the memory. But I do want to say again, glad you ran much that. FTR Bullet Club Gold match because that was the best match maybe ever on TV. All righty, everybody. That is at least one sixth of our awards down. Did you say what your best match was? Oh, actually, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really pick, did I? Um, no. I probably would lean towards MJF Danielson Revolution. 
Thanks. That was like, I mean, that was the first match of the year that I was just like, oh, wow, that's going to be hard to beat. And I don't really know. I have to go back and probably watch the other ones and compare. But I, if I remember correctly, when I wrote down like the four pillars match, I remember being like, wow, I really, really like that. But it's not as good. You know what I mean? And like, oh, Vikingo versus Omega. I really, really like that. But it's like going to beat the other. Like, so I think that it's probably MJF Danielson. Yeah. All right. Well, that means that we are done with the first part of the AEW Awards for 2023, but we have plenty more categories left to go. Technical skills are out of the way, but we have the writing awards coming up next in part two. So stay tuned and we will be right back with the second part of the 2023 Smarkies for All Elite Wrestling. What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome back to the 2023 end of the year Smart Out Moment Awards for AEW. We are going to break down part two here of the AEW Awards. This is the writing awards section of this. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hopping over to this YouTube video or whatever it is you're listening to us on. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always are Robert E. Felice. Hello. And Callum Wiggins. Hello. And just a quick reminder, as we tell you our picks for all the best and the worst of AEW this year, we also want to know what you have to say about not only our picks, but what your picks would be. So chime in on the comments section below on YouTube, or if you are listening elsewhere, then of course, either go over to YouTube or post something on Facebook or Twitter or you know, go on the page on smartcatmoment.com, whatever fashion it is that you want to chime in on, that's uh, all greatly appreciated, as well as clicking on all the other good buttons that you can find on there. Just don't hit the red button. It's a bad one. Apparently that shoots out like laser beams and stuff. But the join button is really great. That one is a means for you to help us keep the lights on here and the monetary side of things. It's the same thing as the Patreon, patreon.com slash smartcatmoment. You got the dark cast, pick the poison tier, and all other sorts of different means for you to do that. There's a little thanks button there on YouTube, too. There's also completely free options like the subscribe button and the like button. It all helps us out on the algorithm and all. Ring that little notification bell. And also, if you do want to pick up some merchandise, Redbubble and Public is where you can find that. And I think that, that pretty much covers what we need to do as far as plugs. Just rolling along here because we do have lots more categories to break down here. Go back and check out the previous section for the technical skills awards that we had already done prior to this we did that yesterday today we were actually recording on the 13th of december you're going to be hearing this on the 19th of december i'm pretty sure that's when i'm going to be publishing this so uh happy tuesday <laughs> right now we're going to go into the writing awards from aew specifically the best and the worst for all these categories except for one of them because you kind of can't do the best and worst, most shocking moment of the year. It doesn't quite work the same. But we have about seven or eight categories here, and uh, I think we should just kind of get the ball rolling on this one. With the best and the worst catchphrases or slogans or any kind of you know phrasing that you want to use when it comes to that, this is things like the... Uh, you know, the sportsmanship thing that uh, MJF has been doing or the uh, it's Sting thing that Tony Schiavone does with uh, every time that Sting comes out. Um, that Those are actually two that I had written down for one of the best and one of the worst ones for the year. But 
I have uh, three other ones for these to mention. And we're going to, of course, just bounce around with our different picks here. Uh, my One of my options for the worst was the whole Tony Storm thing. I know that a lot of people like it, but the tits out, watch for the shoe, whatever that whole thing was. One or two times thought it was funny that it became a, a legit catchphrase and I just don't like it anymore, but I don't dislike it enough to give it the the worst one here. There's one that I will bring up in the next one gimmick. I'm holding it for that one rather than a catchphrase because I'm going to go. My worst catchphrase in AEW this year is Adam, Adam. My God, that got annoying. Yeah, it's uh, it's too much. It's definitely one of the ones on my list. To be fair, the majority of uh, worst slogans on my list, I have both um, chin up tits out and watch for the shoe on both my best and worst because I don't know how to feel about it. Because <laughs> I like it, but it's overdone. Right. So it's like so that's the issue with it. I've definitely got Adam on there, and and then the rest of the pe- ones on my uh, worst catchphrase or slogan list are MJF ones, which is um, tofu. Just that chant that he tried to get uh, going for the Jay White thing, just chanting tofu down the uh, mic and trying to make sure the fans went on with the call and response thing, which was really bad. Like some of the worst MJF babyface moments. Um, I'm not a fan of no one is on the level of the devil. Not a, as big of a fan of that as I used to be. Yeah, but my um, I'm going to go for the worst. Like Adam's definitely a, a high up there, but I'm going to go for the worst. Bro chachos. <laughs> That's very interesting because I'm also going with Bro Chacho. Look, Adam was very close to the worst, and uh, it, it's not, but I don't like MJF as a baby. I think I feel comfortable. We're in the end of the year. I feel comfortable saying this. I don't like MJF as a baby face. I actually think it's really, really. Lame. It's like the worst of post DX revival Triple H, where everything he does is just like, I'm a cool guy and you're a dick. You know, it's, I don't like it. Yeah, Bro Chacho. It was funny once, and then it became the whole fucking show. I don't understand. Hmm. I uh, didn't even register Brochacho. To me, uh, just kind of like in one ear and out the other. But yeah, I mean, there's... um, We're going to bring up MJF as a babyface here and there for sure. And some different elements here. I will say I do like the sportsmanship thing. I think that's funny. So that I had that down as one of my options for the best. Uh, I also had down under potentials for best. Who's ready for story time with Adam Cole, baby. I always like that. Which is funny because there's a lot of catchphrases these days right now that start off with somebody being like i'm about to cut a promo it's kind of funny that like that setup became a thing you know cody being like so what do you want to talk about and whatever um i still like everybody loves the acclaimed scissor me daddy ass but it just doesn't have the same impact as what it did when they were at their peak popularity really liked tell me when i'm telling lies until it became <laughs> kind of problem <laughs> But my number one best catchphrase of the year is I'm Orange Cassidy and I don't have a catchphrase. 
That's perfect. Yeah, I guess that's it's perfect for you. That's a very Tony answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also give serious consideration to tell me when I'm talking lies. If for no other reason than it's like it's a great thing to say, just <laughs> in general, like when you're in a confrontation with somebody, tell me when I'm telling lies. You know, I I really do enjoy that. And I enjoyed a lot of what CM Punk did on the microphone for the brief time that he was in AEW. But here's the thing, folks. My hey. catchphrase of the year is Adam! Because Roderick Strong took all those C-level acting classes from NXT. Somehow is still in a storyline, by the way, just like when he was in NXT, where he can't get out of a wheelchair or a hospital. or a, he's, This man's just always perpetually hurt. And I just like that it got it got him over in a way that you would never expect. It's almost like yes for Brian, where it's like this guy is really good in the ring, and now it has this. But just like yes for Brian, I have to give it best this year because I was already close to giving it worst. And if they keep going with it, it's probably going to be worse for next year. So I would say Adam. I I hope that he keeps it to just. Certain people, I do like the Samoa Joe. And I think that's funny. But I got to give Roddy credit this year for breaking out in a big way. So we have the complete opposite perspectives of this. <laughs> What's your best, Callum? Uh, got a few options that haven't been mentioned already. So I always have to give a shout out to Do You Know What Makes Daddy Magic's Nipples Hard? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best ones. <laughs> Which is like not a catchphrase that I would ever think would be a thing but yeah that always makes me laugh got the simple guns up for the guns that's um, pretty good the house always wins mm-hmm. house of black it's a, it's, a, it's a nice enough phrase um shout out to a ring of honor thing porcelain hussies is a thing that i've uh, gotten used to this year uh from athena re- athena's reference to every other woman on the roster <laughs> uh the simple brav from will osprey oh what are you talking about brav I'm gonna kick your ass, bro. That kind of thing. just is usual stuff. Do you but, use uh, bro in any context in your normal life? No, it's not really, not really my, not really <laughs> in my vernacular. But I appreciate the fact that Osprey can carry it for us. <laughs> um, but I've decided that, um, and I, I don't know whether this is considered cheating or not. But I think that my favorite catchphrase slogan is Prince Nana's dance. You know, why did you say that? I did think about it. But, I don't, I mean, like, it's not a catchphrase, but it's like, it, it, it kind it is, of, it, like, it, 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 it is, it is, it, I kind of think it is Logan, like, it's, it's now at a point where it's like, it's his thing, so I kind of yeah. have to do it. a catchphrase. Because it's not like it's his entrance, it's a part not of the now. Swerve entrance, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, there that factors into me giving Swerve my best entrance thing, but, like, it is kind of a it's like a non-verbal catchphrase. I guess yeah. you could say. And that's not really the writing awards, but like, you could write down a script, Prince Nana dances. Nana dances. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. somebody has at this point. I mean, he's he's mimicking what's been written and spoken. He's, he's driving, you know. And he swerves when he drives. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll put that down there. Uh, hit the gavel or mallet if you're Wigo. <laughs> um. 
Wait, I picked a best and worst for that one. Yeah, okay. So here's where I go into my uh, the worst that I mentioned I was going to bring back up. Because the next set of awards is the best and the worst gimmick of the year. Now, this is a character-based concept. This is, you know, MJF being a babyface. It's a fighting character. This is, uh, you know, uh, say... Soraya with like her gimmicks or Wardlow with his or whatever it might be. My worst is Isaiah Cassidy moaning. Oh, you don't like that? That could have been a catchphrase of the year. Come on, he moans. It's on my list of the worst catchphrases. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, this is almost more of a gimmick than a catchphrase because it's like that's all he's doing and it's really stupid and I hate it. <laughs> he's orgasmic Isaiah and you knew he'd come. It's just it's it's fine. It's harmless, especially when they're not doing anything else with them. Uh, I I much would rather just see private party be private party. <laughs> then again, when's Mark Quinn coming back? So, Got to be close. It's been a while. That's the only one that I had written down for worst gimmick. To be honest, once I had that in mind, I was just like, yeah, I don't think anything's gonna be that. <laughs> um. I, I really, this was the year where I really just didn't like Jericho. This was the first year since AW started. I think Jericho started to wear on me just in general. Like the, the JAS stuff, sports entertainment stuff, I think went on too long. I would give serious consideration to Daniel Garcia's dance as the worst because they overdid it and it became way too, you know, like it became the Corv's character. Um, I'm gonna say worst gimmick is probably stripping Jungle Boy of the one thing that made Jungle Boy exciting. We didn't know this at the time until they did it, but it kind of turns out that Tarzan Boy was a huge chunk of his appeal, and they stripped that away, and he kind of became flat. So I'm gonna say turning Jungle Boy heel wasn't as successful as I thought it would be. A few options. So Babyface MJF we've already spoken about. I'm not going to give it to him, but he's definitely on the lower end. Uh, Timeless Tony Storm has has some charm to it, but it's not like, but not a great one. Um, The one that I've seen now around Christendas Team TNA, which is Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. And mm. Karen Jarrett, I guess, as well. It's not great. Sean Spears going back to the 10 thing. Sean Spears came back? <laughs> well, he, he's wrestled a couple I'm of kidding. Times. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and then whatever Miro's doing. You know, oh, yeah. The Miro thing, that, that should be on the list. But but I, I, I have to say that in, in this year, I don't know if I give it to anything other than QT, though. Oh. Well, you know what? What? How lame was that? And I'm kind of like, it's that, it's that moment where I feel like, okay, I know how important QT Marshall was behind the scenes, but if that means that there's no chance of this ever coming back, then it's kind of might be worth it. Yeah, QT is another one that I probably should add down as like a an honorable mention because I get what they're doing, but I don't fucking like TMZ either. <laughs> so it's like uh, you're kind of doing a an even shittier version of something that I already don't like. It doesn't translate. Yeah, and honestly, the report that came out saying that Punk kind of squashed it 
Like, okay, kids, kids, I'll be eating do something good on the way out the door. Um, QT Marshall's still on the roster page, by the way. Yeah, he, he hasn't left yet. Done at the, the end, end of the year. So. Oh, he has to, like, it's the full end of the year. It's not that it already happened. Yeah. No. Ah. Um, yeah, that's a really great mention. I almost also want to talk about the acclaimed a little because running the gimmick try. I already said what my worst was, but like the acclaimed this year for me, I think they got too much of a spotlight. Like, there is a certain thing about being like a mid card gimmick, you know what I mean? And that being okay, like, not everything needs to be constant push. Kind of how I feel with the acclaimed. So, what was uh, your worst gimmick? Uh, uh, my worst gimmick is Jack Perry turning heel. Oh, the Jack Perry one, that's right. Yeah, it's just it's flat. So my best, the only one that I wrote down, and then again, it was in the same kind of capacity as the Isaiah Cassidy thing where I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go with this one. And I can't like, I don't even need to necessarily think about any other ones. Christian Cage ragging on everybody's fathers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my one is actually technically, it is still Christian Cage, but it's Christian Cage is everybody's father. Yeah. Like all that whole father patriarchy stuff is just like. You know what? Let's just make it a three for that. He's doing the best work of his career. We got our second uh, three for here with the Ric Flair one being the first. It's so good. Like, that it all starts off with just like, hey, your dad's dead. And then everybody's like, oh man, it's a low blow. And then it becomes like, let me try to find a way to do that again. Oh, well, now I'm just going to be your dad. Oh, now I'm going to have an issue with your mom. And like, it's so fucking good. It's weird how wrestling works sometimes where you wouldn't think that one of the more large impacts in your life of Luke Perry passing away is Christian Cage goes on the best run of his career (laughs) in in a company that doesn't exist yet you know like it's very strange that I'm going to say that is my best as well he's doing phenomenal work and he should be praised for it Uh, just to give a shout out to some other things the BCC turning heel and everything that Brian Danielson does is a win for me. And it's huge. Athena running ring of honor, huge. And you can't really talk about it anywhere else. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that daddy magic gets to do is really special. It's not ever really shown on TV, but whenever there's like a digital exclusive of him, he knocks out of the park. Uh, for some, to give some women some brownie points, Chris Statlander dropping the alien gimmick and finding just being a nerd apparently loves Ben Stiller movies has been pretty fruitful for her. Uh, a lot of a lot of things on the good end, but I, I'm going to say Christian Cage is everybody's daddy. <laughs> Any other honorable mentions you got, Callum? Um, I, I just want to say, um, the Echo, the Athena, and her minions in training was has been the best thing in Ring of Honor all year. So that definitely deserves a shout out. And then yeah, just Blackpool Combat Club being Blackpool Combat Club, and like the the ever present father and son duo of Sting and Darby Allen. So father and son stuff uh, across the board. <laughs> <laughs> 
All righty, let's switch on over to the best and the worst title reigns of the year, which, of course, you can find a full list of that over on smartcatmoma.com because I track that stuff all the time. Um, I do have separate ones for Ring of Honor and for AEW, and they could be either of those because we just pretty much, this is the AEW and ROH awards for the most part because it's basically treated like NXT. So um, keep all that in mind. But the option that I have for my uh the worst that i ended up going with i had thought originally at one point about going with the guns for the tag titles but then we did this back and forth thing with wardlow where he won the tnt title and then he lost it then he won it and then he lost it and he won it whatever like that and it was all completely pointless so it's almost a string of championships because there didn't seem to be a point in Joe to Darby to Joe to Wardlow to Hobbs to Wardlow to Luchasaurus to Christian. Almost none of the TNT champion runs this year. Really, in my mind, when you boil it down, is a run that makes sense. It should have just been like Joe to maybe maybe Wardlow to Hobbs to Luchasaurus or something like that, but like the TNT title just in general this year up until Christian got it was just floundering. But out of all of them, I think the one that I find the biggest, the most annoying problem is the word low part of it. I understand that. And for some reason you saying that jarred my memory. And I remember that Arn Anderson was Wardlow low earlier this year. Ooh, completely forgot about that. Right. <laughs> Um, it's been a long year <laughs> in some ways yes uh, wwe wasn't owned by somebody else this year <laughs> like, that is true it's a it's a long fucking year cody just came back at the beginning of the year and punk was you know oh, oh, in uh, well, aw <laughs> like <laughs> um, it's hard to keep track of this stuff look speaking of punk i did think about just tongue-in-cheek saying his run as the real world champion. That's something that you could put out there for sure. Yeah. But realistically, like it did its job. It was doing its job and then it just, everything went to shit because that's sort of life. But I'm going to say Claudio Castagnoli as the ring of honor world champion. He was never on ring of honor programming. He showed up, I think maybe three times at most. And it was just sort of like, yeah, he's here as a special attraction, but he's going to do the more important thing on Wednesday. And currently the Ring of Honor Championship is kind of locked in the tournament. And I I just feel like Claudio being champion didn't result in what I thought it was going to. So it's the worst to me overall from a just general heartbreaking standpoint. And for what it did for ROH, which was kind of, you know, negative in the long run. I think we need to at least mention Soraya as the mm-hmm. AEW Women's World Champion. She was another one of my options, yeah. I, I will say I did think about the entire, like, flip-flopping of Tony Storm loses it, Sheeta just to lose it back, Tony Storm because the gimmick caught on fire. I did think about that. Uh, I wear not I wouldn't go for her because I still think that she she did. It wasn't a great reign. I don't think she necessarily deserved to be the women's champion based on her 
her performance since coming into AEW, but I don't think that it was necessarily a bad title reign. But yeah, I've got to have to like echo Tony with the whole powerhouse Hobbs, Wardlow, just everyone that was holding the TNT title until Luchasaurus won it. It was just like, yeah, it was, just, it was a pretty cursed title. Actually, I say everyone holding it. Don't want to count, discount, or don't, this isn't counting either Darby Allen or Samoa Joe at the start of the year holding the TNT title. Basically, every as soon as year? Ward, like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe started this year. He lost it to Darby for like a hot minute, won it back, no, lost it to Wardlow. No, Darby started it as the champion, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? At least on the because Joe, Joe won it on the on the January fourth episode of Dynamite. Ah, oh, so I must have just skipped to that. Yeah, yeah I don't remember. I, I have that down as Joe at the beginning of the year, but yeah, I might have just uh, done it at the beginning of the year. It might be. Oh, no, they, November they, uh, November nineteenth. Uh, Joe was the champion. Darby won it on January fourth. Oh, okay, yeah. that's fine. And then in, Joe in won it back case, on February first. In, in which case, I was like, I was. I was happy with both those reigns anyway, but yeah, basically as soon as Ward like won it back and then everything that he did with the title was probably like some of the worst stuff. So, you know, I want to give a special shout out because I'm going to keep saying it. Jack Perry is FTW champion because if we don't <laughs> get that. We don't get the car. If we don't get the car, we don't get the real glass and, and maybe everything's different. Also, it wasn't their fault, but the whole John Moxley beats Orange Cassidy gets injured, has to drop it to Phoenix, who's already injured, has to drop it to Orange Cassidy. It's another one of those things that, like, if you could, could just condense the TNT title, it wouldn't seem as bad. And if you can condense the international championship thing, then you avoid one of those issues that we had talked about before about being, like, an issue. But, um, yeah, women's title this year went through the ringer. That Is not the talking about the, the fact that... Uh, Jade Cargill as TBS champion maybe is one of the worst in the sense that his title built a person that is now a, <laughs> in WWE. Is she in WWE? <laughs> oh, she's there. No, she's not. Well, she's she's signed, but she's not there. Well, apparently her mom just died of cancer or something. So I guess that's why she was like. Yeah, if, you want to use that as, if you want to use that as an excuse, that's fine. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good excuse to not be around it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, well, I'm just saying that that's not. That's probably not. That's probably not the reason that she's not around. I'm not saying that like it's a, <laughs> it's a bad reason not to be, but that's probably not the reason she's not around. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> in fairness to what Callum's saying, Triple H did just say, "Yeah, she was lacking in certain departments." Yeah, Maybe I mean, reason she's not around. Uh, it could be a yeah, combo. He, ba- he, ba- he basically said in a pre- he basically said in a, a press conference, "Yeah, we signed an absolute dud from the company that apparently that can train her properly, and now we're just stuck with this." Michaels kind of gave the uh, same thing about Pillman. He was like, "Yeah, he needed our structure." I like those little, just small little pod shots. Tickles me. Be like, we're improving. Uh, we we got a great uh, set of clay here. We're gonna make it into something good. <laughs> Well, the best title reigns. I'm going Orange Cassidy. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Dude killed it this year. Particularly for the international championship, because I like that title better than the All-Atlantic. What a dumb name. It was was that this year or was it gone by the end of last year? No, nah, it was still the, the won it when it was all this year. Atlantic, so yeah. Wow. Um Yeah. You know, I 
like, look, there's not a lot much to say here. Orange Cassidy elevated himself. He elevated the title. It main evented all out in the face of the CM Punk buckle. How can you not say that he's the best champion in the company? I think, I think it's a free horse race. Orange Cassidy's definitely out there as the national champion, but you do also, I do also have to give consideration to both Christian Cage's run as TNT champion, which I'm counting from the moment Luchasaurus wins the title. It's basically the same, yeah. Yeah. And Athena is Ring of Honor women's champion. Well, you know what? I'm not going to give it to Athena here, but I will give I definitely will be talking about her later. Also, shout out to Samoa Joe for the ROH World TV title. I think that that's worth mentioning for him to be like just a dominant champion. Would, and... hold, on, hold on. No, I would just like to hold on. How much Ring of Honor television do you actually watch? Oh, I'm going by the perceptive uh, thing from Dynamite and all. I'm Ring of Honor itself. I don't watch. It's you know. He had a belt for a long time. But I mean, he did much with it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, at that regard, people, you know, they're going to talk about Roman Reigns and Rhea Ripley and all that. They didn't do much either. And I'll tell you, just because he had a belt for that long, <laughs> he, he did much with it. Yeah, I'm not going to get my pick, though. Orange Cassidy is still easily, easily my pick. But. You know what? Um, go ahead, Gal. I'm going to go Christian. And I will go with Orange Cassidy as well. But this conversation has made me think, one that we should just briefly mention for the worst, Adam Cole and MJF as Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. Boy, that's a dud, huh? Yeah, 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 pretty much is. <laughs> Curious how that's going to play out, because uh, remember, everybody, we are recording this before uh, Final Battle and even Dynamite tonight on the 13th. So maybe they end up doing some kind of, you know, switch up with that. But I don't know. I, I kind of assume that they're just going to keep that going. Yeah, I can't imagine that they did have anything to do with the Ring of Honor tag titles before the end of the year. Oh, you know, if they do, we will adjust things accordingly, as mentioned uh, before. We'll talk about it on, like, the hot tags at the beginning of the year or something like that. Let's switch on over to the most shocking moment of the year. This could be good or bad, because it... It's just awkward when we used to do like the best and the worst, most shocking moment of the year. Be like, ah, the best is the the, the shocking of making go, wow, good. And then, wow, bad. It's, I don't know. What's the most actually shocking moment of the year? I had a couple things written down. uh, A lot of them that like didn't really resonate with me a whole lot. Like, uh, you know, Wardlow losing the TNT title right after he had won it back, where it was just like, again, like what the hell you just you spent all this time building this up and then you just dropped it and one and dropped it like that was very shocking uh hikar shida beating soraya for the women's title on title tuesday was a little shocking to me because it just kind of felt like again another didn't you just do this why are we doing a hot potato for the sake of it roderick strong coming out and saving out of coal but then again felt like he was pretty obviously going to be going to aew so I don't want to give it to that. I'm actually going to give the most shocking moment of the year to CM Punk being fired <laughs> and Tony Khan coming out and doing that promo about like, I feared for my life and all that. Calamari, that's 
more than likely going to be mine. But before I say some honorable mentions, do you have a different one? Um, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What Tony said. CM Punk. Oh, I have something different. I have something different. Yeah. Um, that's obviously going to be the top for us all. But before that, I do want to bring up some good ones. I say I've got something different. I don't. Oh, you, oh, you, I thought you said I had the same thing. Sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not going with CM Punk. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, one of the top ones for me is the. Um, Actually, I'm going to save that one for maybe that one's more of a small cat moment. So I'm not going to go there. Seeing Pulp Forward was probably my runner up, but I think I need to go with my shocking moment, as somber as it is, is the death of Jay Briscoe. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. count that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about yeah. adding that in there, but. I, I always. Was right at the start of the year. Well, yeah, because I always the, think that was last year. Was, yeah, just after he won the um, the tag team titles at uh, Final Battle last year, and then it's just. Yeah, that was just. Uh, and I know it's a little bit like a somber one to come up, but it's just like it's worth remembering, bringing up his memory because it's been a yeah, it was a really like devastating passing in the world of wrestling, especially someone so young and had so much more still to give. So I, I'm gonna spoil something for the WWE side of things. The Bray Wyatt situation is naturally in there for that. If you because I think we pretty much would all agree that Death Jay Briscoe would trump the uh, CM Punk firing. If you had to take the Briscoe one out, though, what would you pick? Just for you know, for the sake of uh, discussion. Uh, yeah, probably. Well, in which case, then it would be a bit of a toss-up between the CM Punk firing, of course. But I kind of felt the CM Punk would get fired at some point this year, so I don't know if it's that too shocking. And then maybe just the announcement that All In was going to be at Wembley Stadium, like because that was announced in. April, and it's a case of, oh yeah, I assume that they were going to come to the UK at some point, but the fact that they actually went to Wembley Stadium is pretty, was the shocking aspect of it, like, so not your thousand-seater stadium, just to do that, and then to fill it up as much as they did, is just pretty crazy to me, so so that so that one would also be up there for one of the most shocking ones. That what other uh, honourable mentions did you have, Rob? Uh, that's another positive one. Um, Adam Cole! Coming back, that's a huge positive. You know, that was legitimately up in the air for a while. I also want to give a shout out to Roderick Strong coming in. Yes, it felt like a given, but the reality is he wasn't actually released. It wasn't known what was going on with him. So hearing the music was a really cool moment. And I think shocking in a bad way, the, the hiring of Ric Flair Shocking in a great way. Edge coming to AEW. Because we didn't think we would ever see Edge outside of WWE. And now it's like, yeah, he's just Adam Copeland. He's in AEW. It's great. With Metalingus. With Metalingus. And Beth doing the... uh... Backluster the Edge run in WWE ended. It really felt like you took the guy who just wrestled Sheamus on SmackDown on August 11th, and plopped him into AEW. And that was so cool. But, overall, the most shocking moment of the year, even more than him being fired, CM Punk just punching, <laughs> like, like punching uh, Jungle Boy, because as Punk is wrestling, the fucking report comes out that, oh my god, 
you know, CM Punk just punched Jack Perry. Here we go again. And he's in the fucking ring. And it's like, what's, what is going on? So that whole thing, that whole week of like, CM Punk did something again. And maybe Perry's in the wrong, maybe not. And then Tony Khan comes out and says, I feared for my life. Yeah. That's what we saw on TV. The, the actual footage of him bringing a chair to Chicago and letting the fans Boo roast him. him yeah. he sits there. He's like, I know, I know. I'll, you know it's like, okay. It, it's really <laughs> gripping stuff, you know? And that's easily my most shocking moment of the year. So now on a different, yeah, it's a similar wavelength, but a little bit, it's uh, perpendicular or whatever. The best and the worst smark out moments of the year, meaning what's the thing that made you want to just like turn the channel or boo the company in general? Or the thing that made you go like, fuck yeah, man, I love AEW. The worst that I have written down and, you know, we can factor in the things that we just mentioned as far as like the punk situation and obviously like uh, the the worst thing of the year being the death of Jay Briscoe is just like an obvious like I, if you could go back and change something, that's the one to change. But as far as like a booking kind of philosophy or something that they presented as like part of their product, the thing I have down as the worst is. Tony Khan's got a special announcement. Mm. In particular, tickets to All In go on sale in a month. Which was like, you know you've got to be fucking kidding me. That's your special announcement is in five, four or five weeks, you can buy tickets for a show in August. That's you know your what, special though? announcement. Well, retroactively, I think that was more to get people hyped. Like... Osprey coming in, I think a lot of that had to do with all the all in stuff. But I was, I do agree that this was the year that almost bordered on like Dixie Carter. Oh, I think it fully did. He did a a special big announcement, game changing thing every week for like seven weeks or something. And it was like, dude, half of these are not a big deal. And if you hype them up like that, it's a boy who cried wolf type situation. Like you could have just announced these things. Like WWE doesn't do everything perfect by far. You know, there's lots of things that we were going to talk about on the worst side of that, but like they tend to just be like, Oh yeah. And here's a big announcement. And you're like, Oh cool. Without making as big of a deal. And then when they go like, I don't know, say like, um, Seamus has a big announcement tonight. And then you're like, oh, okay, what's the big announcement? And then the big announcement is like, I'm retiring or something. You're like, oh, that justifies that. The the stupid tickets go on sale thing to me was just like, I don't know. That's like uh, you, you give a toast at a uh, wedding or something. And you're like, I just want to say, thanks. <laughs> and you're like, oh, did you need to cling the fucking champagne for that? Like, <laughs> You know, I, I understand though. That's, Definitely something that's reached a certain level this year. I'm going to talk again about the hiring of Ric Flair just because I think that the discourse surrounding it is one of the things that turned me off from AEW in these last couple months of the year. I would also say, and this might be my answer, I'm going to marinate on it a little bit, but 
the entire treatment of Ring of Honor. Again, look, I talked about this uh, in the last one. And yes, I do agree. It's better than if Ring of Honor just died. But at the same time, it's like, dude, this was like your first full years of promotion. And it really just felt like a two-hour episode of Dark sometimes. And that sucked. You know, but overall, I think I'm going to say they hire Kota Ibushi only for Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega to be the tag team that we're constantly seeing. When everybody wants to see the Golden Lovers, we get the Golden Jets. I think that might be my one, but let me hear what Calum has to say. Maybe I'll come back around. There's a few bits pieces that I have here. I've already mentioned that it's the worst match of the year was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match, but I've already given it that one, so I may not go into here as well. Just the overall over-reliance on comedy and sports entertainment shenanigans now. It's just permeating so much of AEW. Uh, the Ric Flair thing, of course. CM Punk drama. The four-pillar promo segment. Ooh. Yeah, they were pretty bad. That was not good. That that almost killed that almost killed three of your burgeoning baby well burgeoning people that could challenge like MJF in one fell swoop. Um, but I'm gonna go maybe a bit outside the box in this one. AEW fight forever. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, that's right. a good one. Hold you know, on, I need on. to. I need to add that what down as one of my. Uh, absolute, what yeah. an absolute hunk of shit that game was. Hold on, you can count me in for two because after he talks, I'm going to talk about it too. <laughs> so, like, this game comes out, and like, it's sorry for it, and they've hyped it up so much. They spent years developing it to be like, okay, we're going to make it similar to like the old No Mercy games. It's more arcadey style. I played. I played it for about. Uh, three hours got bored and then haven't picked it up again since. And it's it's got no replay value. The controls are just, you know, it's fine, but it's not exactly a super fun gaming experience. You know, you do the usual stuff. You try out a few of the wrestlers that you like. You uh, do one of the uh, exploding barbed wire death matches. You play the story mode and then, okay, I'm pretty much done now. Right, and and they're still bringing out stuff about new DLC and uh, new mini games and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, maybe you should just focus that attention on creating a better game next time. Mm-hmm. Or just like, just drop it now. It's dead. It's 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 uh, it's like do not resuscitate. It's like you can't bring it back to life. So just concentrate on making. When you do decide to make another new game, try and make it better than this one. That's where you're wrong. It's not dead. They just released season two DLC. No, that's what I'm saying. But it it should be dead. Just treat it like it's dead. So just like people are pissed because they're making you pay another like forty dollars or something for the extra season two DLC. Um, Callum is right. This is the worst fuck up moment of the year, specifically for me, because I love video games. I love wrestling video games. I think that we were all excited for this game and this is indicative of a huge problem that plagues AEW right now. There is an over-reliance on nostalgia and specifically with this game, they got so bogged down in the minutia of a fucking 20-year-old control scheme that they completely forgot 
that games that have come out maybe the year after No Mercy offered like three times the match and gameplay options that this game has. That is the failure with this game. Is it fun? Yeah. Was Stadium Stampede good? Yes. And especially because it was a free update. That was great. Um, Barbary Deathmatch, fun for a time. But they got so, oh, but the, the gameplay, but the No Mercy control scheme is back. It's not good. And at the end of the day, if you don't have something that's worth a damn, it doesn't matter how easy it is to pick up and play it because I don't want to pick up and play it. <laughs> Fight, uh, Fight Forever is a huge disappointment. And it's my hope that they do try again. And if they don't go, well, you didn't support it. And that's the only AEW game you ever get, a la Impact from 15 years ago, where they had a decent game, but they never expanded on it and they never tried again. And yeah, this game was a huge disappointment. I have not played it, but I'm not a fan of pro wrestling games for the most part. So my perception of it is pretty much like, I probably wouldn't like it anyway, so, you know, whatever. But from what I've seen and what I've heard, total train wreck. And the fact that they still just keep promoting it as just like, man, this is sponsored by Fight Forever. Can you please pick up this video game? It's like, sometimes it just fails, you know? It's unfortunate. Like, don't get me wrong. There are elements of a good game. But what they desired was... To have a game that you can bring to parties and play some, you know, one-off battle royals or something, as opposed to just getting a good game for devoted wrestling game fans. And they really missed the mark. And like Callum, I know you said you picked it up once and didn't really touch it, but would you ever consider like, oh, hey, let me play this with my friends? Because... That's, I think that's the only thing they wanted out of it. They got too bogged down, and we need to make this like a 2000 sleepover. And I just want a fucking good wrestling game in 2023. That's all we want. That's all I want from WWE, by the way. It's just, I've given up on that. Like, I was really hopeful. They let me down. Boo. And boy, I had a lot to say on something that wasn't my original answer. <laughs> so thanks, Callum. It's funny to be like, Hey, you've got a pro wrestling website. You're probably one of the target audiences. And then for somebody like me to be like, yeah, I had no interest in picking this up, but Pizza Possum's a fun game on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, screw uh, Fight Forever. What do you guys have down for your best smart out moment, though? Flip side of things. What's something that really made you go, man, AEW's great. This one's going to be a lot of, like, they did a lot of really cool match stuff. Like, when I watched that tag team 203 Falls match that we talked about in the first part, I was like, ah, oh, this this is what I love about AEW. And when I watched, you know, when I watch anything Danielson does, this is a really big Danielson year for me where I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, what Danielson's doing here, this is what I love. And then I think about Adam Copeland. I was like, Yes, you know, that's so cool that he's here and this is what I love. But ultimately, 
for me, it was hearing the opening chord to the end of Heartache. Because regardless of what I think about Roderick Strong, I even had a visceral, genuine reaction that I had that night realizing that, oh shit, three-fourths of the Undisputed Era are employed by the same company as I did when Roderick Strong came out. So from a personal perspective, it was Roderick Strong debuts and reunites with them. There's plenty of things to enjoy about AEW this year and the things that I liked, like uh, Jungle Boy burying Christian Cage was a really cathartic moment before it all kind of went a bit downhill for him and everything eventually after being buried christian cage's career just went higher and higher at that point but uh or jungle boy was one that actually i guess metaphorically got buried um the final countdown stuff with brian danielson it was just a huge moment to just hear that for the first time uh eddie kingston beating claudio castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World title was just like the culmination of a long story they've been telling between those two. Uh, the elite reuniting after like years of being apart from each other. Um, just the announcement that Will Ospreay is going to be part of all elite wrestling because nothing makes me more happy to be an AEW fan than knowing that the, the best wrestlers in the world work for AEW for the most part. And Will Ospreay is, in, at least in my opinion, the best wrestler in the world and he's going to be working there all the time but yeah selfishly it has to be all in one of the greatest experiences that i've had as a wrestling fan was going to wembley stadium seeing that show live just the whole atmosphere surrounding it the build-up to it the excitement's just all over it yeah it was just it would be um irreplicable i don't know if that's a word but i won't be able to replicate that feeling of being in the first ever being at the first ever all in but you did already get your tickets for the second line, did you not? Oh yeah, I'm gonna try, but I won't be able to. <laughs> but uh, but it was it was an it was an awesome feeling. I think the main one that I'm gonna go with. Well, one of my runner-ups is uh, Adam Copeland just popping up in general, and then eventually the um, the go fuck yourself <laughs> from Christian Cage. That was a good moment. But I think the thing that actually made me go like, this is what I won out of AEW to a certain extent is Danielson wrestling Okada with a broken arm and just being like, AEW is at its best in my mind when they do have like some storylines and stuff like that. Cause you know, one of my big criticisms is always like guy versus guy. Don't you want to see it? And it's like, I don't know who the fuck these people are and why do I care? But they're at their best. I think when they can be a product that's not WWE, but not in the sense of we're not WWE. Ha ha ha. Like where they're trying to make it a thing when they just allow people to be themselves in a way that WWE not, wouldn't necessarily do it. And you know that like Danielson versus Okada in WWE would not have been the same match. They would have had the producers do a different thing. They would have set it up differently. They would have stopped the match, you know, the, all sorts of different varieties of what would have been different. And in AEW, it was just like Danielson says he can go and he does it. He has a banger match. He wins the match and it's like, 
Yeah. Give me that. I think that's what I'm going to go with. So you like when they hashtag restore the feeling. Is that what you're saying? Because that's that's the new thing. Everybody's like Every restore week, the feeling. We're going to restore the feeling of the original AEW. I, I guess so. If that's uh, if that's the way that people are phrasing it now, like I didn't think that the original incarnation of AEW was like perfect either, but there was a different feel to it. And, you know, there are things that they improved on over time for sure. Like, thankfully we don't have the nightmare collective like we did before. And, um, you know, they've hired some people that are great and all, but the way that the company has been this year doesn't feel like the same company to me. And my favorite era of AEW at this point so far out of all, like it sounds kind of stupid, but the lockdown and like that sort of like, it felt like a frat house promotion in some ways to me. And they were just like trying new things and doing stuff that was different and throwing stuff at the wall. And some of it worked, some of it didn't of course, but I liked that idea of like, if I tune into this, I'm going to get something that isn't exactly the same as WWE and slightly better or slightly worse. And then these days, a lot of what I watch in AEW, I just go like, I don't need to watch this segment because I would skip it in WWE too. You know what I mean? Whereas the Danielson Okada thing stands out to me as something where like, yeah, I wouldn't get that in WWE. Now, storyline-wise, best and worst, of course, on that front, too. These are the feuds. These are, you know, character shifts over time, whatever you want to kind of classify it like that. This kind of blurs the line a little bit with, like, the gimmicks and sometimes the matches themselves, because the matches do have a factor in with storylines. If, like, the the matches suck, then the storyline's not going to be all that great and all. I hated the outcasts this year that whole women's division thing. It might be my pick. It's either that or whatever the hell was going on with Matt Hardy and the firm and the, we still had some of the bleed over from the Andrade Hardy family office type stuff. Like everything associated with that whole concentric circle Venn diagram of combinations of teams utter crap and at this point the like hate to have it revolve around one person but has matt hardy had a single good team in aew or for that matter a single good thing in aew like i I, okay i wouldn't go that far i think uh i I, tell me i i look at his career and i'm like oh the broken matt hardy stuff sucked the whole Sammy Guevara match thing, that was like a fiasco. The Hardy family office stuff was terrible. Every incarnation of that. The firm stuff, The I mentioned Isaiah Cassidy moaning and he's tied in with him and all. Hardy boys just not being the Hardy boys anymore. What a bust. But I don't know if I would go that or the outcast. Because at least with the Matt Hardy stuff, it was like on the sidelines more. The outcast stuff was like, that was the entire women's division this year. And God knows how many times I said, I don't fucking care about watching the same five people wrestle for nine months straight or 11 months straight or however long it was still going technically, I guess. 
So I I want to talk about what you said about Matt Hardy for a second because I think he's a very interesting case of looking at AEW and the changes the company goes through. Because here's a guy who came in as such a big deal that he closed out the first pandemic dynamite and was the main event of the first pandemic pay-per-view. That's how big it was when Matt Hardy first came in. And it quickly moved down to the Hardy family office stuff. And then eventually when Jeff came in, he was set to get the, you know, the big, big push. And Jeff, Jeff did what he did. So that didn't happen. But I think he's a very interesting like case study of how quickly it can all fall apart. But that is a that's a great shout for this year. I think my worst might be the elite get back together <laughs> for what feels like a blink of an eye. They do the fun blood and guts. I'm glad we got to see the elite and blood and guts. Yes. They're already broken up again. And that whole thing feels so disjointed. And that's not the feeling that people want back. You know, they don't want uh, Jericho teaming with Kenny. They don't want the Bucks and Kenny to be mad at each other after just, you know, reuniting. They don't know why Hangman's friends didn't care about Hangman having a home invasion. You know, I, I think that to me is one of the biggest drop balls of the year. I'd also say special shout out uh, to to be continued, but maybe this devil thing if it doesn't come to pass in the right way. The what thing? But I'm the de- the whole devil thing because oh the devil thing. I already feel face like- it's stubble. I'm like, wait, what am I missing? <laughs> Somebody no, got a promotion uh, or feud about stubble. <laughs> no, the the whole devil thing. If they don't start paying it off, could potentially be an issue. But I th- I have faith in that one. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna say the elite and. They're getting back together just to fall apart. So I had, had the outcast down as a potential one. Is it wasn't it wasn't handled great. It was too much interference bullshit in matches all the time. So I wouldn't like want to go with that one though. Um, Ar Fox's heel turn. Oh yeah, that was such like unfortunate circumstances because I I don't know if I. I don't personally blame Tony Khan or the whole just whoever's booking that point. I I I don't know. Like I just get the assumption that AR Fox just didn't tell them that he couldn't go to Wembley, and they took the wrong approach. They shouldn't have. They should have just delayed him coming back and should have just kept running with what they had. But I understand that he probably kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit by just not being available for this show. Still, that Otherwise, was very poorly done, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole, basically, everything that's happened between MJF and Cole and everyone associated since All In it's just been a huge, huge downturn. It's just, yeah, yeah. MJF in this role just does, has, hasn't had the same effects on me. It just, it's just a bit of a turn-off in general. But I'm going to go for worst is whatever the hell is going on between Miro, CJ Perry, and all that stuff. That's another really good one, yeah. Because I just don't. So the, the story they seem to be telling is that what CJ Perry is coming in because she wants to 
be a manager of champions again and Miro saying, oh, I, you, I, I don't want you managing me because I get distracted, even though I, I barely wrestle anymore. <laughs> and then it just goes along lines of, okay, well, I'll manage other people. It's like, no, but I don't want you managing other people as well, so I'm going to fight everyone that you manage, except for Andrade, who I'm going to allow to compete in the Continental Classic, but then as soon as the Continental Classic is done, I'm going to beat his ass. Like, but it's just, yeah, this is super dumb, and it's kind of one of the things that, like, uh, this is a guy that I just want to go back to WWE. Yeah, yeah, I really want him to just pop back over do whatever he does in WWE as Rusev again. And, you know, a couple other ones to mention too, that I, I forgot. Um, QTV can be lumped in here. Just the idea of that in general, that story of like trying to do something with that. And something else that we had mentioned before the collapse and, uh, you know, whatever direction that they were trying to go with for the Jericho appreciation society. Mm. That is definitely one of the worst things this year because they just botched that for like six different people. And now, you know, we mentioned like Angelo Parker's wrapped up in this love story with Ruby Soho, which is like, really, that's the best thing you could got going. And then Matt Menard's kind of involved in that. And then Jake Hager, you know, the funny thing with the hat, but then it's like nothing at all happens with Jake Hager. And then Daniel Garcia is just kind of doing nothing or whatever. So whatever this plan was of Jericho, and the Jericho Appreciation Society dissolving just turned into, I want a team with Kenny. You can all fuck off. Right. So, like, that's what I'm saying. And that ties into my thing with the whole elite, elite story where it's like. Yeah, it's a crossover, kind of. You know, why is it that Jericho, and this kind of goes back to, I believe Calm had said, uh, in the first part that Jericho is the most overrated where it's like, he always manages to just come out of these things still on top, still in a top story. He kind of left the rest of the JS to languish. Yes, they left him, but they left him and they're the ones that kind of suffered for it. You know, there's just so much wrong there where it's like, why is this the route you took? Yes, Jericho and Kenny as a tag team is cool. I get it. I understand it. But you kind of just screwed up a whole bunch of stories just to do this one thing that's cool. So at the beginning of the year, or well, at least months ago, I had the MJF and Adam Cole friendship story as one of my contenders for best. That eventually stopped being one of those options. But on the best storyline side of things, I have, you know, we can reiterate some of the ones that we had talked about before. Um, Christian Cage with the whole patriarchy thing. Um, yeah, we, we've sung the praises of, uh, you know, take your pick with any of those kind of things. Um, two that I am kind of bouncing around between, though, are MJF and Brian Danielson. Their whole feud. And the Orange Cassidy International Championship run of him being able to ascend a higher level on the hierarchy and telling the story of like each week he's having a harder time trying to defend that title. And then he eventually loses it to Moxley, but then it's like, okay, I'm going to win it back. I'm going to do that. 
it is you know kind of tied into the best and the worst uh title reigns of the year for me saying art cassidy with that but then again you know part of the title reign is the story so uh, i am leaning a little bit more towards going with the orange cassidy route here it's simple and effective i i like those i'm gonna go with the best of the best with the elite and say the elite versus bcc because for five seconds it felt like yep this is what we wanted this is why we wanted to see the elite together i think everything brian danielson has done as a heel has been great i think allowing wheeler to pin kenny was great i think they had a great uh stadium stampede so much of that was what it needed to be so i think that might be my story of the year because that's what I want from AEW. A few obviously good options. The ones you've already mentioned, of course, with MJF and Danielson and Orange Cassidy's great year, the uh, Page and Strickland, their recent feud. Um, and again, it's, even though I can sometimes be negative to certain people in this, I, I am willing to accept that when things are good. Uh, FTR versus Team Jarrett was really good. Was a really good feud at the start of this year, leading into their uh, tag team match with Mark Briscoe, as special guest referee. They really played that very well with the whole um, uh, skit they did at uh, Mark Briscoe's farm. <laughs> the Jarrett <laughs> doing stuff on there. That was like, the best of Jeff Jarrett. It was a very well. It was a very well put together feud. And then another thing that I've seemingly been a bit somewhat negative on, but I can't deny the story was good. The last hurrah of uh, Daddy Ass. Like they they built up the story of him retiring and him just they built up like they'd had multiple opportunities against the House of Black for the trio titles and hadn't been able to get the job done and so he basically teases retirement and then one last opportunity in the biggest stadium that AEW's ever been in he captures the helps capture the trio's titles and so I think that was it's a well told story I think it's been now overdone a little bit but at the time it was it was well put together. But I'm gonna echo Rob. The the elite versus BCC is the is my storyline of the year because realistically that started late last year when Moxley took Adam Page's head off with that clothesline. That was the start of the elite versus BCC feud because that extended into uh, Page's and Moxley's death match, a revolution, and then that goes into the BCC targeting Hangman. The Bucks get involved. Kenny eventually gets involved. The Don Callis turned, Kester involved, and Osprey involved, and Pack, and the uh, yeah, and then all culminating in the blood and guts match. So, so yeah, that was like a seven eight month feud that was some of the best TV that they were putting on all year, especially with some of the more comedy shtick that was going on in other sides. Like this was pure what AEW canon should be. All right, we're going to round out the writing awards for AEW at the very least. Obviously, we have the WWE section coming up in, you know, the future. With the best and the worst pay-per-view or special episode or special event, whatever you see on the page on smartcamom.com of the list of those things. So that counts things like, obviously, you know, like uh, Double or Nothing, you know, forbidden door type events. 
It also counts things like the Blood and Guts special of Dynamite or Royal Rampage or Dynamite 200 or Grand Slam, you know, any of those kind of things. And it counts ROH as well, because you might as well just factor that in. They're basically the same (laughs) in promotion. And my worst, having not seen one or two of these, there was a, I forget exactly which ones I missed, but there was like um, one of those like episodes of Dynamite that was like one of the special ones, like one of the Fighter Fest episodes I think I had missed or something, Fight for the Fallen maybe, I don't know, like I, I missed some of those things or whatever, so they are what they are, St. Patrick's Day Slam maybe it was, I don't know, but the thing that I have to give the worst to is Battle of the Belts. There we go. Yep, that's mine as well. So we can wrap that up. Every single battle of the belt. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead. Three for three. We got a three for... does anything. They are the so pointless. Like, they could serve such a good means of having, like, a mini pay-per-view and getting people to tune in and do that. But it's the equivalent of how WWE does main event for Hulu, where they're like okay, we're contractually obligated to do this. We're just going to do whatever. And it clearly means nothing because these, they used to at least put matches on there where you were like, okay, maybe the title would change hands. But we've had, what, eight of these, I think, so far? And they typically have three to four matches per show. Out of eight times three or four, whatever, uh, you know, I, I actually calculated, but we're talking 25 plus type uh, matches. I think maybe one belt has changed hands and it was on the first battle of the belts, right? Maybe the second one too. It was like Sammy Guevara had one change hand a couple of times, but they were both the TNT title. And, and it was like, like the Sammy and Cody thing or Sammy something, beat right? Cody, I think. And Scorpio beat Sammy. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it's like, that was two years ago. And we just keep having these. And it's like, when they pair people off, they put people in a situation where you're like, yeah, there's no way that they're winning the belts right there. Like, January 6th, Jade Cargill retains over Sky Blue. Sky Blue wasn't going to win that fucking title. Everybody knew it. Orange Cassidy retained the All Atlantic title over Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian hadn't done shit. So it's like, yeah, of course they're not going to have the belts change hands. Why bother watching them? And then when they record them in advance, all the more so that you just go, oh, they recorded that? Yep. Okay, well, who retained over on this special? They are so pointless. Yeah, I have to agree. They they serve no purpose. And this year in particular, they seem to serve the purpose of giving a show a third hour just to go up against like an impact pay-per-view. So from the personal standpoint, that's annoying. Mm. Yeah, I'll say I'll say Battle of the Belt. Yeah, like essentially AEW were just given like money to put an extra hour of TV on and they just have no they have no desire to do anything with it. Which I can kind of understand to a degree because it's on at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. It's like who the fuck's actually watching at that point in time anyway, unless you put on something extra special and if you have something extra special, why not put it on Dynamite, the show that anyone actually wants to see the ratings of? right so so yeah it's just it's a pointless thing and it's never going to develop that um that must watch factor to it because if you've got something that that's much watch or if you're putting it on dynamite 
and then or you're putting it on a pay-per-view or you're putting it on collision and yeah that's so it's never gonna get any better it's a shame that they didn't apply this to like ring of honor before they had had like weekly tv shows where they could have just made that like battle of the belts is where you can see ring of honor belts defended and then maybe you would look at that as kind of like oh maybe the belts will actually will change hands because they it's did. They just still booked the most pointless matches. Yeah, it's just, it's so (laughs) frustrating. But on the positive side of things, we did have some good events this year. Callum, tell us why All In is your best (laughs) (laughs) pay-per-view. It's it's difficult to say because I don't think from a quality standpoint, it's the best pay-per-view of the year. It's, uh, as an experience, it's fantastic. And it was great to be part of. And so it will always hold kind of like a special place with me because of that. But just from a pure, just bell to bell standpoint, it's definitely not the show of the year. It's not my so, pick. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not picking it as, as I, I've already had it as like, that's my smart moment. That's my thing that I just love the most about AEW this year. But just, if you just take that object, uh, live experience away, then you separate that. And then, yeah. Yeah, being objective, they were better shows than All In. It was still a great show, but that's the, that's the thing with AEW. It's just no matter how scat, scatterbrained a lot of the TV is, and how they're making some weird decisions. Like the one thing you can almost always guarantee is that, is, that their pay per views are going to be great. There's there's never been a well, I say never been, but there's very rarely ever been a pay per view that I'd ever say is either bad or even meh. They're always good to great. So. And there, and there are plenty of options this year. I thought, I'd say just from a quality standpoint, All Out was better than All In as a wrestling show. And then, like, Wrestle Dream was great. And uh, it's, hard, it's hard to choose, but I think that personally, I'm going to go with Revolution. Revolution is one of my two potential picks. I thought, because you have, like, you have the, the Texas Death match, you had. There's a lot of like great matches in there. Obviously, the 60 minute Ironman match, which was my match of the year, so you're always going to lean towards those ones. But yeah, there's like I'm just going to try and get up the card now to just try and remember more of it. But so it was a trios match, Briscoe oh, and yeah, you had the, oh, yeah, you had Lucha the, you Bros had against the uh, Ari Davari varsity athletes. <laughs> it, was, it was the Elite versus um, House of Black on this show as well, which was like one of the best trios matches I've ever seen. Yeah, that was really good. I had that down as awesome match as expected from these guys. Uh, the yeah. the final burial casket match, Christian against uh, Jungle Boy. Oh yeah, that was awesome as well. Jericho versus Starks. That was a great match as well. That was a great opener. And he put over Starks too. Um, yeah, of course had the sixty minute Iron Man match. Um, Guns versus Acclaimed versus Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, which I had thumbs up on. It was a fun little tag, but um, yeah, I mean, I say there was like there was plenty on that show to sink your teeth into, and Revolution has a actually quite a reputation now. It's developing quite a reputation as being one of the the must watch shows of the year. Like even with AEW's quality, there always seems to be something special about Revolution. Yeah, we're gonna get Sting's last match this time around. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like I think it's because well, I don't know if this will continue going forward, but it's always the f- been the first pay per view of the year for AEW. So like, there's always something a little bit more interesting about it. So, 
so so yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick with Revolution as my pick. But as I say, it was a, a tough choice with a lot of competition there. Is there any confirmation yet about Holiday Bash and New Year's Smash? By the way, no, I think they'll do it like they did Winter is Coming, where they'll just go, "Hey, by the way, that's our Winter is Coming this year. That's our Holiday Bash this year." Um, I also thought Revolution was a great show. As I think about the match quality, it could end up eking out, but I'm going to go with Double or Nothing, because I think Double or Nothing had that tremendous pillar four-way, where it is bad as the promos might have been, the quality of the match really helped. I think the Stadium Stampede was one of my favorites. They had a ladder match with Wardlow and Christian Cage, which might have been the best thing Wardlow did with the TNT title. I think I'm going to go double or nothing. I think I'm going to go full gear. That was that was probably second place for me. Because there was a, you know, a lot of things at like Revolution that was like probably my runner up. But we had like Orange Cassidy, John Moxley. We had the uh, the trios match with um, Sting, Darby Allen, and Adam Copeland. Uh, even though we had the botchy Tony Storm ass plate thing and all, like you know, you got a title win, so that's like something that's like you know, something happened there. Um, that four way ladder match I had written that down as car crash matches like this are always fun when people are tossing around and ladders are smashing into them you had the hangman adam page and swerve strickland match of course uh julia hart wins the title for the tbs title so again another title change happens that's like you know moving the momentum around i do think that mjf versus jay white was a, a lackluster finish of the event but i think in the grand scheme of things i think i might end up going full gear See, the thing I didn't like about Full Gear was that they sandwiched it with this, like, oh, they're just going to give the belt to Jay White, but Adam Cole, who's clearly hurt, is going to wrestle. And it just, that kind of stuff put a cloud over the rest of the show. But yeah, Full Gear was another great pay-per-view. They always have tremendous shows. Well, who knows if Worlds End is going to end up being one of those things where we go, technically speaking, it's December 30th, and we might have to go back, and that might end up being the best, or for the or the worst. I don't know. I don't think it's probably going to be. Ring of Honor Final Battle. Who knows if could be. maybe we get a match of the year that we weren't expecting. I am fully anticipating this Friday that I will just be like, oh, when's this over? Because <laughs> I don't feel like watching it, but... You know, I don't think oh. it's going to end up being my worst over the Battle of the Belts by any means. I'll say that. I, I, do, I do want to actually, uh, something that just like clicked in my head, I do want to mention that I thought that um, uh, oh, Death Before Dishonor was a great show as well. Like, it was definitely the best Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Well, <laughs> until Final Battle, potentially, depending on how well that goes. But Death Before Dishonor was a great show with like, Athena versus Willow Nightingale was the main event. was my best, my favorite women's match of the year. So I want to shout out for that one as well. So, of course, we will see if that ends up being the case and if that ends up being something that we need to address for, like, you know, 
one of the match of the year things or a big botch or something that happened, then we'll, you know, we'll either leave a comment below on this when this gets posted or we'll talk about it on the beginning of the year podcasts or, you know, whatever it is. We are recording this on the 13th, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. But that rounds out the writing side of the AEW end of the year awards. We still have one more part coming up with the whole performers side of it, breaking down things like the best and the worst heels and baby faces and the overall superstar of the year, or I guess technically wrestler of the year. Um, But we've got that coming up and then that'll kind of finish up the AEW side of it. So Stay tuned because we will be right back with part three of the AEW end of the year awards for Smart Out Moment and the Performer Awards. What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to part three of the 2023 end of the year awards for AEW, the best and the worst of what all elite wrestling has presented to us this year, at least according to December 13th when we were recording this. Check out parts one and two prior to this for the technical skills awards and the writing awards. If you're of course listening to us on the audio only stream, then you had already listened to that. But if you are on YouTube, click on those videos and then you will have more context of the things that we're going to reference here. And obviously the full breakdown of the awards and stuff. I am your host as always. If you don't know Tony Mango joined as always by Callum Wiggins. Hello there. And Robert E. Felice. Hello. And just another quick reminder, we want to know what you have to say about our picks as well as what your picks are. So drop your thoughts in the comments section below. Make sure you keep the discussion going. Also, click on the like button. Click on the subscribe button if you are over there on YouTube. If you're not, I don't know where you're going to find that just floating in the ether. But there's the join button over there. Same thing as Patreon, all those different tiers, Redbubble and Public, where you can pick up the merchandise and... Also, go ahead and vote on the fan feedback survey for the way for you to tell us what we can improve on and what you really liked from Smart Cow Moment this year. Forgot to plug that in the last one. And, uh, you know, kind of keep that perception going and all. We're going to keep these awards going. Round out the AEW stuff with the Performer Awards block, which is made up of about nine or so categories, best and worst of each one of those. Pretty self-explanatory, less to explain this time around. And I think we should just kind of get started with the best and the worst managers or valets or whatever you would want to call somebody who accompanies somebody to the ring and maybe they're a mouthpiece for somebody, any along that spectrum. Now, AEW does not have authority figures in the way that WWE has like Nick Aldis and all. But somebody like a Stokely Hathaway, you can even kind of constitute that. He was a manager at one point for this year, so I have him down on the list too. But if you want to incorporate him as like manager-esque when it comes to his role in Ring of Honor, then you can kind of lump that in too or whatever. But I tend to focus a little bit more on pure manager valet types and all. So this is people like, uh, you know, CJ Perry. This is... uh, yeah, Jose, the assistant, and you know, Smart Mark Sterling, all these different types. I don't believe, I don't know, you might be able to tell me one way or another. Did we see Jake Roberts this year? I don't remember him showing up, actually. I think he had been out Because you're not mix. watching Collision. He was literally just on TV like two weeks ago. Oh, okay, so yeah, me skipping out on Collision is, uh, you know, blind spot with that. 
definitely a blind spot on the Ring of Honor side of things. So, you know, there's going to be some people that are missing out on there. Um, but yeah, like Alex Abrahantes, you got Brandon Cutler technically classifies for this. This is kind of a valet for the, uh, the Young Bucks. So there is a wide variety here, including even, I think Vicky Guerrero might have technically been this year before oh, she got she here released. Can we, hold on, I need to verify this. Because if she is, then that's my worst. Oh, Vicky counts. Vicky counts for this year? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that she was at the beginning of the year. She was, Fucking, she wasn't, she wasn't like, what a, what an awful end to what had been like a, a nice little story for Vicky, you know, the tragic passing of Eddie, she becomes a great character. What? Fucking her whole AEW run sucked, but, but that's besides the point. This year she was kind of exposed as a crappy person. And you yeah. know, like, boo. Go away. Go away. I had her down as my worst, but I also had written down and I, I couldn't give him the worst because I really don't know anything about him. But I was like, who the hell's JT Davidson? The, the Savage Sauce Man? The Iron Savage guy? He goes by Savage Sausage Man? Is that what you said? Well, I don't know. Was he the is he the guy that's with them now or was he the guy that he was with them? With them yeah. He almost, I don't know much about him, but he must not have been great because he just sort of disappeared. The yeah, guy they have now is kind of funny. Who's with him now? You know his name off the top of your head, Kelm? No, not particularly. <laughs> I, I just, I know that they're fun and the whole savage sauce thing, the whole eating the ass thing is everything the Iron Savages have done. Is <laughs> what great. am I missing out on, Ring of <laughs> What's oh, happening over there? It's not AEW, buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're just not watching the shows. Clearly, I'm skipping that segment. Good lord. Yeah, um, hold on. I'll, I'll Google who they're with now. Uh, they really found their characters this year. And this is an example of when people find comedic characters that work, as opposed to, you know, they were just Bear Bronson and uh, Bear, Bear Boulder. Boulder. And that wasn't Wait. as great. Okay, they're with Jack Jameson now. Jack Jameson. Yeah. He's funny. His name's my name too. Or is that the not the song? That's, <laughs> that's, that's a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like him. He's he's good. He's not gonna be my best or anything, but shout out to him. So what other uh, who you guys have worse? Is it all Vicky oh, Guerrero? Oh, it's Vicky, no, it's Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. Okay, so we got a, we got a three for going here. Yeah. The only other one I had down for worse was Harley Cameron. Like, yeah. He's annoying person. on purpose, though. I, I kind of like Harley Cameron, what she was doing. And I do have to at least appreciate Harley Cameron for the start, for being the catalyst for the He's Gay Charm. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. He's gay. That's, that's great. We're going to have to, at the beginning of the year, uh, we go through and um, have like a, an assessment of the roster that I'm missing out on, because this, uh, like... I, I tried to do it as best I could, but like no website out there has the full breakdown of the tag teams, the roster, who's actually there. Cause it's like, you know, the contract wise it's up in the air for the performers that are on the wrestling side. That's already confusing enough. But when you start factoring in like the managers and valleys and stuff, people just really lose track of that. So uh, um, here, here's a nice little runner up for worst manager. It counts. Rick Flair. <laughs> Any chance I can say fuck Ric Flair at this stage in the game, I gotta say it. 
you know, that's that's worth uh, at least an honorable mention. Yeah. And still give Vicky worse. Yeah, yeah. Still uh, give just, Vicky just, worse. Just being on screen because at least Flair took a bump and <laughs> on a, on a thing. So like you know, he it, he sucks as well, but still Christian yeah. got to kick him in the nuts or whatever. But. Yeah. yeah. And he's like he's there for a specific reason for a guy that's a legend, instead of Vicky just kind of hanging around. Now on the best side of things, not going to give it to the uh, Prince Nana, but a big shout out to him. Very close. Anybody go with him? Yep. Oh, it's Prince Nana. He's got the dance. He's you know running the Mogul Embassy. He's such a great juxtaposition of Swerve because Swerve is just so like stone faced and just evil and demented, and Prince Nana's there just doing the goofy dancing in the background. He's like, but it's, it's beyond just what he does with Swerve. It's what he does with the whole Mogul Embassy. Like he's a big part of like. Brian Cage took a huge step up for me. I'm not going to talk about him later in terms of some of the like improvements, but a big part of that is just having Nana as a mouthpiece, mouthpiece for these guys. And yeah, he's a great promo as well. I do enjoy him just bringing joy to anything he does with the we're in the money singing and Nana is he's absolutely up there. He's tremendous. He's not going to be my guy because I think I'm going to go with Stokely as both the mouthpiece for all of ROH and being the bright spot in the weird deletion stuff that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I'm going to go Don Callis. He is instrumental for a lot of the positives of that whole elite feud he is the mouthpiece for Konosuke Takeshita. I even like how whenever uh, like he had came out and it was just that drone music to just kind of be like, oh my God, this guy. And like when they have him on commentary and they tell the story about like all the other people like Tony Schiavone and JR and all being just like, this fucker is going to be coming on commentary. I like Don Callis more in in this year AEW I've liked Don Callis more than anything else that I've ever seen him do in the entire history of his career granted that's not too much cuz to me I'm way more familiar with him as the jackal but like Don Callis to me like this is like okay this is good I'm I'm digging this a lot so Don Callis gets my uh, my best and similarly to how I had said in the last section that you wouldn't believe that the unfortunate passing of Luke Perry would lead to Christian Cage's best run. You would never guess that, like, oh, one day some guy's going to start a promotion and it's going to allow for Don Callis to become the most hated manager in wrestling (laughs) after 25 years or something when he was the Jackal. And same thing. Who would have guessed that Tully Blanchard just randomly bailing on Ring of Honor would lead to Prince Nana being appreciated for like the first time on a global scale. Little things like that are the most fun to me in AEW. It, shout out to Telly Blanchard being one of the worst options, I guess. For this he, year. Not, not not for this year. He did he ditched last year. But, oh, that was still technically last year. Uh, no, it was like midway last year. Yeah. Uh, I lost track of when he had left. 
Shout out to Arn Anderson, though. <laughs> that, that, considering I had to remind you in the last section that that was a thing. Right, yeah. yeah. The hell, uh, Arn Anderson. Um, it'll, be back in, it'll be back in Cody's corner in WWE soon enough. Do you guys think that uh, Arn's going to pop up in WWE for that? If I he Brock's does... Gonna, I think Brock's going to pop up in WWE as well, so I wouldn't be surprised in that regard. Really? I can't imagine them signing him. I didn't. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine them signing Brian Pillman Jr., but here we are. I always yeah, thought that he, Brian Pillman Jr. had more of an upside than uh, Brock Anderson. I think Anderson's got an upside. I would be surprised they used Arn on TV only because Arn was employed by them for like 20 years mm-hmm. and they didn't use him on TV. Maybe uh, there's going to be an Alicia Fox segment and he can pop back up. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that, like, in a sort of way that Cody is a bit of a sleeper agent and he's just bringing all of his boys over to WWE. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> yeah, and then he'll leave. He's like his uh, his long form con is like Doctor Doom levels of like thinking eight steps ahead. He's like, I'm gonna leave WWE. I'm gonna create another promotion. I'm gonna leave that promotion and bring everybody back over and take over WWE. <laughs> Fairness, that's probably the biggest tribute he could give to his father. True, who, you know would do the exact same thing and eventually run NXT. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wrestling has more than one royal family. That's for sure. It also has more than one commentator in AEW. We've got a variety to pick from here for the best and the worst. And I don't think I'm going to be surprising anybody here when I say the worst. It's Jim Ross. Yep. It's, it's, it's too, it's too, it's too long now. It's just it's gone on too long. It's to, such a shame, isn't it, to say that? Yeah, it's like I, I don't want to say like he's tarnished his legacy because I think that you I don't think with a legacy of JR statue you can really tarnish it. Bolst what uh, you can tarnish it by being a shitty human being, which he's not. Yeah, well, but he's clearly like past his peak as a as a commentator. I'd say that there are there were a couple of other options like Paul White has done commentary this year, <laughs> and I've never been a big fan of Big Show as a commentator. Yeah, and the one that's probably the most disappointing to me, Kevin Kelly. Oh, that's Just, right. Yeah, I think, I think he's finding his feet now a little bit, but he's clearly been usurped as the the main voice of Collision Boy, Tony Schiavone. Which is okay. And so I think that he he hopefully it like picks up again next year, but like as a guy who was like the top commentator for New Japan for years and years and years. It's been a little bit, um, a bit of a wake up call to see that he's not quite of found his footing in collision yet. So, but yeah, Jim Ross is definitely the worst for me. So question, does this encompass just the people on the headset or does this encompass backstage interviewers and things of that nature as well? I look at this as pure commentators because the backstage interviewers are pretty much like Renee and Lexi and yeah. Second question before I say Jim Ross, Mark Henry get on the headset <laughs> all this year. Cause I don't want to dogpile on poor Jim. Cause I actually, when Jim is like into something, it's weird how it switches when he was like calling the CM Punk stuff, he'd get super animated and into it. But barring any, like, Mark Henry appearance on the headset, I do have to say it's Jim Ross. It's unfortunate, too, because he's so 
Like he's the legend. He is the guy you think of when you think of this. And it's just sad to see it's becoming like, okay, grandpa, thanks for coming. You know, it's, it's sad. And like Callum said, he's not a shitty person like Ric Flair. So it's, it's more sad than it is with Ric Flair because JR is still a pretty good guy. So technically speaking, for anybody that does obviously listen in another language, there are people that are like the German language commentators and, and all that stuff. We, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you anything about uh, Gunther Zapf <laughs> or uh, Alvaro Riojas. Like we don't, I don't listen to them, so I don't know. But um, this does count technically even like the Ring of Honor people like Ian Riccoboni, uh, Caprice Coleman. I'm not a big fan of uh, Caprice on the um, commentary team. But then on the positive side of things, we do have, I'm double checking now, but Mark Henry, by the way, and um, it doesn't look like he had done commentary this year. I think he mostly is just like coach type interviewer, talent scout. Um, But on the positive side of things, uh, I still really dig when Taz does like his stupid, just like, oh, that's Taz, you know, kind of thing. Um, that's a fun duo when they just goof off. I don't know who I would go with 100%, but I think it's almost kind of a tie to me between Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. I would throw in a nice little shout out to Ian Riccoboni. I would throw in a nice little shout out to Nigel McGuinness, but I think Excalibur and Giovanni have really kind of led the pack. And I'm going to go Tony Giovanni because I'm going to say that him returning to mainstream wrestling has been one of my favorite overall benefits of AEW. He's finding his footing again as like the main play by play on collision because he's sort of like the babyface color guy on Wednesdays. And He's really finding himself again on collision. And I, I, I love Tony Schiavone. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. I would say he's best. I would go in a pretty like significant landslide, at least for my personal taste, that Nigel McGuinness is the best. I knew it was going to be I figured that He's like, he's such a perfect heel commentator. And it's pretty much fundamentally down to the fact that he hates Brian Danielson. And all of the stuff that he's, all of his interactions have something to do with Brian Danielson. It feels like I, I desperately hope we get that match at some point in 2024 between like those two. I think I it'll just be so much fun. I yeah, really I hope do. so. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I just think that overall he's just like a really he's got a really dry wit about him. Like he's not he's not over the top comedic, but like he's funny still. So it's not it's not overbearing. There's obviously other great commentators. I have the other ones like runners up with like Excalibur Taz and Ian Riccoboni. Um, I'm, I'm very much in the like Tony Schiavone is definitely more on the lower end for me than the upper end. So there's no chance of me getting it for him because if a guy can't seem to tell between a um, uh, what was the move that he fucked up early? There was a like a commentary thing where he called something a um, I think he called something like a destroyer when it was just like a 
a DDT or something. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, um, a Death Valley driver that he called a, yeah. a destroyer instead. It's like yeah, this this he like he's long in the tooth. Uh, he's totally fine as the um, like hosting of like interview segments and small segments in the ring and contract signings. I just think that he's like again part of the old guard of. Uh, commentators which is still nice to have around but i'd rather see like the new blood coming through which is big scalibur and rick bonnie is like they're the two people that i want to see as the main voices of aw moving forward oh ian rick bonnie as soon as he comes to grips with it as the main voice of dynamite or collision needs to happen i think he's just got this weird loyalty to roh on top of a genuine like love of a limited schedule but if he ever makes that jump Absolutely, he's one of the best to come down in many years. You know, now there's not a lot of youthful commentators, and he's got all the ability in the world. I'm also gonna say, shout out to Lexi Nair for her amazing work with Athena. It's more in character based as opposed to broadcasting, but she added an element to that package that I would have never guessed. She's really talented. So I think I'm officially going to go with Excalibur as my pick if I have to split the tie. Excalibur's the anchor. I'm going to stick with Shivani. And then we got Nigel over on uh, Callum's side. So let's start getting into the wrestlers. Best and the worst newcomer of the year. And there is a wide variety of people that are brand new to the AEW slash ROH roster from this year. Um, Again, it's a kind of confusing setup where you never really know exactly when somebody is signed unless they put that all elite graphic up. But then sometimes people have a, an appearance on the roster page and it's like, oh, okay, so I guess they're signed, but they didn't get the all elite graphic. Sometimes people wrestle every friggin' week and they don't get the graphic or a spot on the website. Sometimes they're a part of the ROH roster and the AEW one. Sometimes it's one or the other. Sometimes it seems like they just pop up a few times and they are on the thing. Like Paige Van Zandt still listed on the roster page and it's like, she's done nothing and God knows how long. So take it with a grain of salt that some people are brand new. Some people have been signed for a while and they only put out the graphic this year, or it seems like they're brand new. It's very confusing, but I'm going to have to say for my worst that I can track at the very least based off of like win loss records and just overall how quickly everything dissipated. Taya Valkyrie. She came in as like, wow, she could be Jade Cargill mm-hmm. and then just <laughs> nose dived. Deadly. You're right on that. And I'm looking to see if anyone else. Brand so for new. for record, these are the people that I was able to track as like pretty new. Technically, I guess Action Andretti, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He debuted um, at the end of he debuted at the end of he debuted last year. December, yeah, so that's yeah, kind of like a holdover. Um, Adam Copeland, uh, Jay White. Commander, uh, Kota Ibushi, Aussie Open, so Mark uh, Davis and Kyle Fletcher, uh, Mark Briscoe, Nick Wayne, 
Roderick Strong. You can kind of classify Will Will Ospreay. I I am looking at that more as like, I guess technically he's a newcomer next year. Um, Mariah May, Megan Bain is supposedly signed, but he is signed, but haven't. Yeah, not really. And uh, and Taya. Those are the only ones that I was able to like track really. Obviously, I might be missing some people. Um. Yeah, I don't want to dogpile on Taya, but as I look at the names, it has to be because there's not a lot of positives there, unfortunately. Now, it does suck. I know that I have said in the past, I think she can headline Mania in a women's match. I think she had that ability, or at least she did when she left Impact. So, it's been overall disappointing to see what she hasn't done in AEW. Yeah, definitely. I've tired. is one of the worst ones, and you've got Harley Cameron there as well as a potential can I, one. Hold on, can I change my answer? Rick fucking Flair. Oh God, <laughs> I guess yeah, I forgot Rick Flair. Rick Flair. Okay, Ty, look, Ty Valkyrie didn't live up to her potential. Fine, you know, happens. Rick Flair. Being signed to this company had had discussions of, you know, what is AEW even doing and yada yada. Ric Flair, boo. <laughs> yes, Sorry, I'm one to have listed down. But as much as I like them, Aussie Open having a great time in AEW so far. So just like it's been a slow start for them. Uh, the Righteous coming in. I'm pretty sure they started earlier this year, built up to um to uh, what their stuff they were doing on Ring of Honor with the whole Dark Order and Steve Grayson thing. They had that fun match at um Death Before Dishonor, but um but yeah, their stuff on the actual AEW show has been pretty bad. And then I I feel like defying gravity a little bit because gravity is just. Yeah, I just think he's just—he's not ready for TV, so I don't really want to. I don't want to bury on him too much. Like realistically, Rob Stryker, Ric Flair is the worst newcomer because he shouldn't be in this company. But, but yeah, from an actual just pure who's in the ring standpoint, I probably would go with Gravity. But um, but yeah, Ric Flair's just an awful human being. <laughs> Do it, Tony. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, uh, to argue against this. <laughs> I think we might need to make that a three for. Because Ty Valkyrie, she still gives more. Yeah. Um, that's a switch over to, though, for the best newcomer of the year. I think we're going to go Adam Copeland. I am as well. Uh, I won't drag this one out too long. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. He is in AEW. He feels inspired. That I don't know how much I'm going to talk about Edge and the WWE side of things, but that run, especially the end of it, sucked. Man, was that disappointing. So to see him try to get around to righting some wrongs feels good. I'm going to say Adam Goldblum. Owen Copeland's definitely a potential one. I've enjoyed both Commander and uh, El Heat. 
Hiho Delfo Kingo being part of their AEW stuff. I know at least the, the Kingo's not officially signed, so uh, but he's been doing some cool stuff and he made his actual debut on Dynamite this year. So and then Jay White's been great. And as much as I would like to give it to Will Ospreay, I can't because he's not actually well. Because if you're going with the argument that he had matches this year, he technically had matches last year as well. So right. he's not he hasn't done anything officially as a signed member of the AEW roster yet. But I'm going Mark Briscoe. Not a bad choice. Yeah. I think yeah. that's obviously the circumstances in which it came about are ones that we wish didn't have to be the case. But I think as much as as, as like poison the opportunity came in terms of like how it came about he's taken it with both hands and i think he's been such a a breath of fresh air on this roster he's like as i there's no one like mark briscoe on tv and just from fun comedy segments to suffering that unfortunate injury and then coming back and being now like a fun part of the continental classic it's uh yeah i think he's 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 making his brother proud i'd say i'm gonna just hop on my soapbox for Two seconds. It is ridiculous that Tony Khan had to specify in 2022 that the Briscoes were signed to ROH. And it is ridiculous that tragedy had to befell the family in order for Mark Briscoe to get on AEW TV. And it's ridiculous that somebody shut the pass away for you to forgive their past transgressions. I agree with this soapbox. <laughs> Thank you. I endorse this. Okay, let's go to the best and the worst tag team slash stable slash faction slash trio. They all kind of work in the same thing. And I've said this already, so I'm not going to you know, believe the same points. My worst is Matt Hardy's random collection of misfits. Take your pick of whatever random Hardy family office type stuff they had at the beginning of the year and all that, the firm stuff and all. Just any of that was a complete and utter failure. I'm going to go ahead and hop on and say the firm. The firm started out as something and it devolved into something completely different. Nobody even remembers the fact that guys like Lee Moriarty were in that. Um, unfortunate, but yeah, that really screwed over a couple people uh callum if i can i guess yours callum if you want is it the tna trio no it's not the tna trio oh nice are you gonna go that uh like kind of more like uh the high potential which upsets me most and go with like jericho appreciation society they're on my list of one of the worst ones but they're not my final pick and and also the the TNA thing is a it's a TNA quattro because I still count on Joe Dart as part of that as well. Sure. Um, Sign and all that, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other ones I had there as like potential ones were the Outcasts, yep. the Righteous, <laughs> and not even such the Hardy the firm stuff, but the Hardy Boys in general. But I've already mentioned them before. The worst tag team stable was QTV. QTV is on oh, my yes. potential list as well as the Factory, technically. Is that this year too? Yeah. They, at the beginning of the year, they had Aaron Solo, Anthony Agogo, Cole Carter, Nick Camarado, and QT Marshall still teaming up. That's crazy. 
Hey, proud and powerful was a team this year. <laughs> Technically, and they had one. They had what? They were involved in one great match, and so they. And then they, they were a huge part of one great match, and then suddenly they weren't. <laughs> oh, you know what else was a team this year? The Trustbusters. Remember that? That didn't work out so well for people. <laughs> the Baddies was a team this year. They all disappeared, and uh, you know, once Jade Cargo left, it was just like, yeah, never mind. Um. Didn't get much out of CMFTR, that's for sure. What we got was great. Uh, I went through. I tried to already do my like beginning of the year roster things, and one of the pages is the tag teams and stables list and all. And I had seen that like the wingmen no longer really use Cesar Bononi. Yeah, it's, it's just Nemeth and uh, Avalon. Yeah. And like um, JD Drake's like firmly just been in the workhorseman with uh, Anthony Henry for however many months. So it's like a lot of things change. Some things stay the same. Um, any other worst nominees you guys got in mind? The Mogul Affiliates pre their embassy merger. Oh, God. Yeah. Oof. The uh, Trench. Trench and trench. Parker Bergerot and all that. <laughs> it's Trench. <laughs> um TV sucked, but we already kind of touched on that. Yeah, I'm looking through the list right now and just like yeah, there's people that are disappointing and stuff. Like the butcher and the blade just never really do anything and now they don't even have the bunny anymore. Have and, the bunny, I hate that. Yeah. So it's I know but it's not like that's like the worst thing ever, whatever. Now the best side of things though, I am leaning more towards the Blackpool Combat Club than anybody else. Um, before I make that a twofer, I want to touch on you know, positives this year. FTR was great the early portion of the year. The Kingdom have really come on strong with their with their uh, Roderick Strong affiliation. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy their uh, <laughs> the Cole Carter, Griff Garrison, and Hot Mom Maria group in Ring of Honor. I think that's a lot of fun. I think Athena and Billy Starks were a lot of fun. Uh, the Elite, while they were together, was great. Best friends were kind of waiting on me this year. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club is the best thing in wrestling. That's my statement. Yeah, again, there's a lot of good options. I think the Mogul MSC did very well this year. House of Black were trio champions for the majority of the year. Obviously, the acclaimed have done very well still again they maybe your mileage and them may vary but i still think they've had a successful year i, d- I do think that blackpool combat club is one of the best things in wrestling that i've seen in years and years so it's like it's hard to go against them but i'm gonna go bullet club gold mm. you know they're really fucking good and they're i never they're so they're so much fun they're so it, it's revived the, the guns after obviously winning the tag titles earlier this year, but then people thinking, oh, it's way too soon, and why are these guys champions now? They feel part of the collective again. They feel more charismatic and whole than they've ever had beforehand. Like, Juice Robinson is such a fantastic promo and a fantastic character and just so over the top. And then having JY as the, the catalyst and the, the, the head of that entire group is 
yeah, I think it's like an excellence collective. And the thing about the Battle Combat Club is that it's all great, but they can all do their own thing separately at the same time, whereas Bullet Club Gold are at their best when they're a collective. You know what I like about Bullet Club Gold is they remind me a lot of best parts of early DX. Just mm. they're goofy, but they're also like guys who you want to see and guys who get it done. Uh, completely has boosted the guns and Juice Robinson to another level, and Jay White is great at the helm of that group. They're a, they're a solid runner-up. Because I do love them, but I gotta go BCC. So does that mean the guns are the new H outlaws? Juice Robinson's X Pac and, uh, and Jay White's Triple H. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, we have already talked a lot of the wrestlers in the way that we're going to explain the next couple of words because they are kind of backtracking and talking about like factoring in all that stuff and then coming back around to who are the best and the worst. Heels, baby faces, female wrestlers, male wrestlers, and overall wrestler. So we're going to focus on heel and baby face right now. Uh, specifically heel, we'll go baby face next. But for all the reasons that we've said before, no reason to necessarily have to repeat a lot of the same things or whatever. Uh, worst heel, who you guys got? Jack Perry. Did nothing for me. Uh, QT Day, for a lot of the reasons I've put forward beforehand. Just a pointless comedy act, which isn't funny at all. I have QTV as my option, too. That's my uh, my main pick for, again, a million different reasons. <laughs> They're just, it's supposed to be funny. It's not, I don't take them seriously. I don't find it entertaining. See, for me, the reason I go with QTV is because QTV died so quickly. That I don't think about it. Not quickly enough. <laughs> That's fair. But I mean, take your pick with a lot of these people. Like you could go with like Slim J. You could go with like, uh, I mean, there's, I'm sure that there's tons of people in like ring of honor that I don't even know that if I watched them for like two minutes, I'd be like, yeah, I don't like this guy or, you know, um, also shout out though, as much as they were a big focal point, that's part of the reason why they're so annoying was the outcasts. I had mentioned them before a million times that I just wasn't digging it. So uh, definitely one of my least favorite heel acts this year. Still wasn't digging Aussie open. It's not going to be the worst though. And um, again, like the, the long list of people that just pop up for a few matches here and there heel faces wrestlers and all that. I, I'm not going to crap on like Marina Shafir this year because it's not like she did anything she did that good. I really like. I like yeah, I saw of her. put her find wherever Rhonda is and just stick Marina to the side because like that was fun. I saw her have two matches this year and they were both great. Yeah, it's not like she was doing the, the you know me like from last year. But now best heels. My runner up is Samoa Joe. Because I still gotta give it to Christian. Callum, are you also doing Christian? Yes, with my runner up being MJF. I will go with Christian with my runner up being Swerve Strickland. Christian's great. 
Wait, so uh, another three for? Is that what we're going to Christian's great. I don't see any reason to listen. We've talked yeah, about him we, a lot. We, yeah, I mean, it's funny when we get like certain years where I don't remember exactly what years or which, whatever, but we ended up with like Sami Zayn was like everybody went with Sami Zayn for, for last year. And like some years it's just kind of like, all right, we're all going to go MJF. We're all going to go, I don't know, uh, John Morrison or something. Pfft. Not John John Morrison, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm a fan of John Morrison, but I can't remember that. uh, John Moxley. No, for some reason, John Morrison was the first name that popped my mind. Um, Probably because we were just talking about QTV. But uh, yeah, big fan of John Morrison, but he never got that treatment yet. (laughs) Sometimes it just ends up happening. I think it'd be more likely to pick Jim Morrison as wrestler of the year than John Morrison. (laughs) Yeah, we've done like Roman Reigns. Like we all pick whatever, and Christian Cage. It's one of his. The like he demands to be picked for a lot of these this year that's for sure i gave him worst for one thing and it's only because i think he looks great and you should show it off <laughs> while he still has it <laughs> it's pretty good when your worst thing is you're covering up uh and you shouldn't rather than it being like worst uh promo of the year or worst uh you know whatever it might be now the baby face side of things again a lot of people that we've talked about before Hardy boys are in my mix. Uh, I say Cassidy's on there for the same kind of thing. Fuego del Sol, uh, Sunny Kiss. Lots of different people you can mention, but I'm going to repeat something we've been talking about. I think I'm going to go Ric Flair for the worst baby face. <laughs> you know, I don't know how much of a baby face he is, <laughs> but. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go MJF. I think it really—he's just not meant to be babyface. I'm glad that he's not doing full in-character shtick all the time now, but like, he's just not meant to be a babyface. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go with MJF as well as worst mm. babyface. I think he's just gone. He's gone too far and deep end. It's. He's, he's doing the same thing as, as a babyface as he did as a heel, which is like go after the kind of lowest common denominator stuff and feel like, well, that's that's no one else is doing that because it's too simple, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do better than anyone else. And that worked really well as a heel. It's not working as a babyface. He's too like as like he cuts sometimes some really good or awesome, like powerful promos as a baby face like even did that as a heel every now and again. And if we saw more of that, I definitely wouldn't be doing it. It's more the the clap crowd stuff, the punch in the corner, the call and response, all that. Just it's so lame, like Hulk Hogan 80s stuff. Like it's, it's 2023, come up with something original. Like sometimes it works. Like the match was it Big Bill where he like really just was like, I'm going to body slam him. And it's it works, but it's also annoying to me because it's only working because the crowd's like, we're in on the bit. Yay. We're doing the we, bit with you. The, the thing that I, yeah, the thing that I don't like the most about it is the fact that he's the world champion doing this. That's true too. See, I'll be honest and say I had MJF as one of my options for best. Recently, that hasn't been the thing, but at first I was really, really digging it. It, it did get a little bit of an old act and some of the things aren't landing quite as well. So 
he ended up being pushed aside uh, in favor of some others. But on the best side of things, I have, uh, I think stop me if it's your pick. One of my runner-ups is Eddie Kingston. Strong runner-up for me. One of my other runner-ups is Mark Briscoe. But I'm going to go Orange Cassidy. For all the reasons I, I keep like talking me. about a million times. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I thought about Eddie Kingston because honestly, you can't deny the love that people feel for this man. Like, he's a very organic baby face. Um, I, I really want to go with John Moxley because he's the face of this company and continues to be that. But he did spend some of this year as a heel. I'm going to say baby face of the year. And maybe this is that pivotal moment where you kind of put all your chips in on this guy. Hangman Page. He's the definitive baby face of this company. Oh, I mean, all the people you mentioned are, are great options in terms of just, yeah, Page is a great, been a great baby face, but I think he's been underutilized this year. And Briscoe's, like, he's got such a lovable backstory. And the same thing with Kingston just coming to the top of the mountain after so much hard work and graft to get there. I'm going with someone who I think is just organically one of the most beloved people in the entire roster, and that's Willow Nightingale. She's a really good option for that, yeah. Like, nobody yeah. screams babyface in this company like Willow Nightingale screams babyface. I love Willow Nightingale as much as you could possibly love a pro wrestler. Willow Nightingale is the best. I don't think there's ever been someone who's more babyface in any wrestling company since Bailey than Willow Nightingale. I was just going to say, if you didn't mention Bailey, like Willow Nightingale gives me Bailey vibes for sure. I love her. I hope she's. Give her a title next year. Give her the world yeah. title. Give her any title. Just like make her prominent next year. Absolutely. I hope she's women's world champion. We're going to talk about her very soon again. Because now. Our next category is the best and the worst female wrestler of the year. And I'm going to find that just roll with the punches. I'm going to say my pick for the overall, like I, the value that I got out of their character and all that is Willow Nightingale for best for best baby. Look, I think for best female wrestler in general, because like there's Statlander, there's Sheeta in the mix there and whatever, but you know, I know a lot of people are going to go Tony storm, but I like Willow Nightingale. If like, I get why Tony storms in the position she's in and I get why Willow Nightingale's working toward that. But there's one person that I think on the, the roster that is doing their job the best. And it's Willow Nightingale. I agree with you. 100% Willow Nightingale is tremendous. However, much like Death Before Dishonor, there's only one person she takes backseat to, and that's Athena. Athena fucking carried Ring of Honor this year. Athena is the only damn reason to to watch that show. Athena is going to headline Final Battle. Athena is the best women's wrestler across either company. It's Athena. Now, I will say, if I were watching Ring of Honor, I more than likely would be in agreement. 
yeah, Athena has been the not just like the main reason to watch Ring of Honor, but just from a pure in-ring standpoint, her character work is phenomenal. Like the in-ring stuff is great as it always has been. She's taking it back to the level she was prior to when I thought that she'd lost a step because of all the injuries she suffered in late in her run in WWE. She's now back to her absolute best and she's working a much more physical, like dominant style than she ever did in WWE when she was always kind of just the underdog working from beneath because of just being a perennial baby face. Now that she gets to be a heel, she can just kick the shit out of people and that's a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, Athena's top up there. Of course, there are other options with, uh, one name we haven't mentioned that I think we should do as an honourable mention is Julia Hart. Great improvement this year. For yeah, Julia. And is now like a worthy TBS champion. Mm-hmm. And um, also, just from another one standpoint, Billy Starks is is going to be is a, is a is a prodigy, and she's going to be a big star in the future. I think. Possibly already the champion by the time people are listening to this. Mm. I hope she is. So now, with this best and the worst of the female wrestler and all that, we do circle back to wrestler of the year. If your best or worst for the female wrestler is your best or worst for the wrestler of the year, because it is male and female combined, then toss it out there, too. My Willow Nightingale pick is not going to be my best overall AEW wrestler of the year. Is anybody's uh, Athena and... and um, no. What was your pick, Gail? Uh Athena. 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 Are, are you guys going to go with Athena as best overall, or no? Somebody on the male side. It's a, it'll be it'll be it'll be a male wrestler. Yeah. So on the worst side of it, do you guys have anybody that carries over too, or is it just on the females? No, male wrestler's worst wrestler as well. What about you, Rob? Um, male wrestler is going to be the worst wrestler. Okay, so then uh, worst female wrestler. There's so many to pick from. <laughs> <laughs> from Jesus just, fucking Christ. <laughs> it really is, because it's like this was just not a good year for AEW's women's division. When the people at the top are doing what they're doing, it's not good. But what are some of the ones that stood out to you guys? I only have four listed as potentially worst ones. As I say, nobody really greatly offended you this year. Yeah, the, the four that I have listed for worst, actually I've got five. I missed one out, but like five five I've got are Soraya just for like winning the world title, but not really wrestling that much. Uh, Ruby Soho for declining in the ring. Uh, Anna Jay for, again, uh, declining. Does the ring stuff. Ty Valkyrie for not having a very good year whatsoever uh, since like debuting. And then uh, Britt Baker for uh, declining in terms of popularity, presence, and being a crybaby on Twitter. Um <laughs> I think out of all those ones, I'm probably going to go with Tyre, just because I've never been a big fan of... Well, I say never been a big fan. I haven't been a big fan of Tyre for several years now. And I just think that she um, she doesn't add anything to being on AEW. And I think it's a good thing that she seems to now be cordoned off and to ri- the Ring of Honor side of things. So, Brit is probably my best example of a downgrade. Because I don't know what happened there. Huge. And this is entirely because of reasons not even related to this company. But I have to say it's Jade Cargill. She phoned it in until she finally dropped the TBS title to Statlander. 
And after, you know, being built up by AEW as a homegrown, she's with WWE. I have to think that's their worst in terms of stock they put into a women's wrestler. I think that's their worst result. Can I do the cop-out answer and say the collective division? <laughs> okay, no, but you can. Oh, yeah, cop well, out not answer. really, because that includes Willow Nightingale, then, if you Yeah, that is true. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, get technically. You um, can do this cop-out answer. Technically, Aaron Jarrett and Aubrey Edwards wrestled a match. Technically, Paige Van Zandt's still on the roster. <laughs> technically, Paige Van Zandt's still on the roster. Even though. I don't think she made a single appearance. Not a single one, sir. So I'll go with her. Or 23, I think. I'll go with her then if I need to pick somebody because it's like you, you don't even exist. Hopefully she's uh, making I a lot about of... I saying that for Megan Bain just because I know Sean reported she's signed, but I feel like that's cheeky. Uh, that's more like if she's signed but she hasn't like committed, uh, finished her commitments or something, like that's that's perfectly fine, you know? That's like Will Ospreay not being ready to do that yet. But Paige Van Zandt, as far as I'm aware, she just, uh, she only does like OnlyFans or something now. So, I mean, I don't blame her if that's the case. She's probably making bank on that. But like, I can't tell you anything would like a good variety of these people did this year. And, and to an extent, I have to admit, it is from my like fast forwarding a lot of segments and not watching certain shows and all. But like, like Riho popped up a couple times and just didn't really do much. She's not, again. not that like she <laughs> did like bad stuff, but it was like it was just hey, kind of like a rating is what she popped, buddy. A rating. Like what did Nyla Rose do this year? I can't tell you anything about Madison Rain that would be on the positive side. You know, like it's just this was a dud year. Because it was basically five people, and those five people were like Tony Storm and Soraya and and uh, Britt Baker and all. Which, at their best, it was like okay, this is this is okay, and at their worst, it was like oh my god, can you just move on to somebody else? And then when you look around, you're like, there isn't anybody else. Oh my god, you know, it's not not a good year for the women's division. I hope that it is much much better in 2024. So then that means that we have picked the male wrestler as our potentially we could go. I mean, technically speaking, you could say somebody is the best or the worst male wrestler and then not give them the overall wrestler of the year, best or worst. Typically that ends up being the case, but um, I'll just toss this name out there because it's, uh, uh, it's funny. I went with worst overall and for male. If you're talking value and purpose and any kind of positives just give it to trench motherfucker was he even employed at the start <laughs> of the year i don't i don't remember seeing trench he was that's crazy i i'm gonna have to look he definitely didn't wrestle trench. low so it's hard to know if you count him as a wrestler i'm gonna have to, gonna have to look up when they killed trench um my worst, for a lot of the same reasons I just said Jade, gotta talk about CM Punk. It's an option. I mean, holy shit. First of all, good on him for having his final match be at Wembley Stadium with Samoa Joe. 
and beating him with the Pepsi plunge. Love, love to see that. But for from an AEW perspective, for CM Punk and his involvement backstage at All In to now lead to what is definitely one half of the two WrestleMania main events, you gotta say CM Punk is the worst wrestler as a male for AEW, and I'm gonna go overall as well because dude's about to headline your rivals. Biggest show of the year, you know. There's there's no benefit there. Headline night night four of buy one get oh, one extravagant. One <laughs> month after sucking a blood right dick in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I, so I, I will say this because I haven't said it yet. I do hope the one thing he can hold out on is not going to Saudi. But everything else, yeah, he's definitely headlining night four of buy one get one free extravagant. <laughs> Sometimes grass is greener, I guess. I don't know. Who's your uh, worst pick, Callum? There are options. There's some honorable, men- dishonorable mentions, I guess. QT Marshall, Wardlow, um, Anthony Agogo, yeah. Action Andretti, Scorpio Sky. Fuck, mm. like he came in for like two shows and then fucked off again. So like he's injured again. Um, but my worst I'm going to give to and worst overall is someone that I just want out of this company and clearly just isn't interested in well he's just interested in telling his own story even though the story is just completely pointless and nonsensical and that's Miro oh uh, I was expecting Miro but I guess I should have been um, yeah. I'm not going to I'm definitely not going to give it to Punk cause Punk was fine totally fine no I was doing really the Wii Woo I thought you were going to go with Jeff Jarrett just because no Jarrett. I that's like like Jeff Jarrett still does stuff. Like you, you tell that even though I'm not too keen on what he's probably doing to the direction of the company, he's still like he's showing up and doing the work. Like Miro, just seemingly has locked himself into a really long term contract that he doesn't want to be part of anymore. Like refuses to lose to people. He's just doing these. This decided that he's just investing in his own passion project with CJ Perry and doing this weird nonsensical story that's at least just like fully cordoned off on collision and yeah everything that he had for the old redeemer gimmick is gone his promos are just completely nonsensical now about why is he not why is he not do, why is he not going after titles why is he not challenging more people why is he like what is he actually doing what is his purpose now beyond just making sure that cj perry can't manage anyone even though she's let, he's letting her manage someone. It's like, I, I, I just don't get what is Miro in 2023. There are a lot of other people that we can mention that are like, who is this person types? And then there are people that we've already. A great option for that. Well, even like, I couldn't tell you what Josh Woods even looks like, to be honest. It's your fault. You don't watch Ring of Honor. Right. But like any of those types of people that like just don't make a mark or even the people that you like are aware of, but they are just there to be total jobbers. Like I don't think anybody's really going to make a a case for like pretty Peter Avalon being the best wrestler of the year or something. He's there to do a job. He does it. So if that's something that resonates with you well enough, then he skirts by. If you're like, Oh, 
screw uh john cruz and serpentico or whatever then or luther or something like you know not everybody's on the top of the card and whatever and that that is what it is but um take a pick with any of those kind of people too if you want to you could toss out like matt hardy again you could toss out dan Housen if you're not a big fan like i'm just not digging a character so that is what it is you could mention even paul white if you wanted to like when we talk about the good we talk about the good you know what i mean and when there's the bad stuff it's not offensive to me that like captain sean dean's on the roster but if he wasn't on the roster i don't think it would make a difference to me as a fan you know what i mean like i'm glad he's employed not somebody i'm going to be watching i get that that's the way i felt about a lot of these he's offensively bad and rick flair hasn't had a match i can't say him yeah. Um, you know, you know. That's why I went with Punk because that had the overall negative. The company. That's why I went with Trench because there's nothing positive with Trench. <laughs> now the positive side of things, though, best male wrestler and slash wrestler of the year for AEW. Shout outs to a lot of the people we had talked about and all. Um, to me, it's down to two different people and one person standing out of the pack of just a little bit more in one way and one person standing out and just a little bit more in another way. It's hard for me to pick between these two because there are, there are negatives for MJF that work against him, but there's a big part of me that says MJF should get this. And then there's another part of me that just goes, but how many things did you just give to Christian? I'm kind of debating between those two. MJF's been champion for a year, and in the mind, you kind of feel like you should get this. He has wrestled more this year than ever before. It's kind of like MJF should win at kayfabe. But, <laughs> you know? but no one's been more enthralling to me on screen, despite a broken arm, a broken orbital, broken everything, and fucking Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson is my best male wrestler of the year, and he's my overall wrestler of the year. Ryan Danielson is stamping his legacy all over AEW, even behind the scenes, slapping fines on people, apparently, for social media behavior. This was a legacy year for Danielson, and I bought in. I think it would be somewhat churlish, at least not to mention Orange Cassidy for this year. Yeah, he's another major contender for that just how great that title run was and so he's been a huge part of all the a lot of positives for AEW this year and then i've got like loads of names listed like kingston and moxley mm-hmm. page and swerve all doing great i think obviously danielson be high up there as well but like i think a good runner-up for me is samoa joe as well yeah samoa joe's been doing like, some good stuff. renaissance year for samoa joe in 2023 but another guy who's just having a nice and cheer and it's just it's just the best year of his career and this is the best run of his career like christian cage is my is my overall wrestler of the year just what a what a conniving heel character with just some of the best promo material like he's got a he's got a gimmick and a catchphrase but it's not overbearing and it's not like too comedic or too over the top you still have fun listening to him He's unbelievably hateable. Everyone gets behind the people that he's facing. He's wrestled more this year than he had at any other point in his, his time at AEW so far. 
he's TNT champion. He's having a great run with the title. He's going to be in this big feud. He's in this big feud with Adam Copeland. Yeah, I think Christian Cage has just dominated AEW in the most positive way this year. Very much appreciated uh, Christian Cage this year for sure. Lots of awards going to him, uh, more than probably anybody. If we end up doing like the, you know, what they do like the Oscars, where it's like, oh, this got nominated for the most and won the most, whatever. Probably collectively, Christian Cage got the most amount of awards from us on the positive side of things. Very cool. Would not have anticipated that a couple years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wild how the world of pro wrestling works. Yeah, it's just everything about Christian Cage is run, and Daniel says for that matter, it's just like you wouldn't have seen this coming. Well, what you can see coming is the WWE side of the end of the year awards. We will be breaking those down in the same capacity, technical skills coming up first, then the writing awards and then the performer awards, a couple more categories to WWE than AEW because we do have like the best television show or program of the year. Um, We didn't have that for AEW because it's basically the same exact types of shows. Whereas WWE, they have like, you know, uh, Things like the ultimate show and all. Oh, I guess technically we could have done that for AEW, but um, the, the award would have gone to Hey AEW with RJ City. <laughs> the best piece of content they produce. I'm not kidding. That show is tremendous. Oh yeah, if, yeah. If I was to give like just overall like guy of the year for AEW, it's RJ City probably. RJ City is amazing. Guy of the year. <laughs> he yeah, wins he guy just, of the year. Yeah, if we did anything for like the broadcast correspondence stuff like that, it's definitely he's he's just he's so he's so entertaining. Well, we get we'll get into those with the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment side, but all Elite Wrestling wrapped up here. Reminder: drop your thoughts in the comments below. Tell us what you agreed with, what you disagreed with, what your picks were, any other kind of opinions that you got on there. What we missed out on too, because maybe there's uh, something you would be like, oh. You, you guys forgot about the storyline or um, how could you guys uh, forget that like this ring gear was like somebody wore this and it was hideous or this was amazing or, you know, positive, negative, whatever it might be. And um, if you are listening to this on YouTube, of course, double check that you hit that like button on here helps out quite a bit. If you are listening elsewhere, make a YouTube account and hit the like button. (laughs) (laughs) and um you know stay tuned for all that stuff but also hop on over to the blue brand and the uh fanboys anonymous content over on that site fanboysanonymous.com pretty self-explanatory there subscribe to that youtube channel hit up that patreon check out the facebook and twitter and all that generally speaking though if you go to amagotree.com you will see a list of all these different things and you should be liking sharing following favorite subscribing whatever it might be subscribing that's a word for all those things subscribing make sure you subscribe to all those <laughs> and as i mentioned before go and fill out that fan feedback survey tell us what you think we could do better for this year like say the word subscribe in a better way <laughs> or what we uh really kicked ass on this year that you really want to give us a shout out to but follow me at tony mango on facebook twitter and elsewhere like letterboxd and whatnot stuff you know anthonymango.com it's the same list. Just hit the like button or whatever it is on all those things. And make sure that you're also following what Rob and Callum have. Yep, you can follow me everywhere at Dude Felice. You can check out my work on Fightful. And just, I appreciate any of the support that you guys give. So 
Thanks as always, and here's Callum. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Check out the power rankings every Saturday on Smart Cut Moment, where I rank the WWE superstars based on their previous week performances. And then you can also check out the Fantasy League there or at www.fantasyleague.com to see how our teams are performing as we keep heading through every single pay-per-view towards WrestleMania. Okay, okay, everybody. AEW Awards in the bag. Tell us what you thought. And make sure that you stay tuned for the WWE End of the Year Awards because the Smarkies are not yet over. We will be breaking down the best and the worst of what Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT Level Up, pay-per-views, main event, blah, 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 all that stuff is. And we hope to see you there. So make sure that you head on over to that side. But adios for now. This has been another Smart Out moment. And we are being counted out.